Are we live? Live? We're live. We're live. I think we're live. Who knows? Is this thing on? Testing. Testing. You guys, have you guys ever worn blue light glasses? No. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> of course I, I have. I just bought I, a pair. Uh, try. You know I have. I'm big on uh, fashion accessories. So. Well, I, I, I got some green ones. They're translucent. They're kind of like aviator style. I figure like... Where are they at? I, well, I'm waiting for them to show up. Oh, you're waiting for them to arrive. You to need arrive. to put those things on. I'll tell right you. Now. Sometimes they put Amazon puts my packages near at my neighbors, and anytime I see a package at their door, I always go and check. Like they'll put, <laughs> like I'll check and see if it's actually for them. I'm just waiting for the day that they open the door and see me peeking at their stuff. All right, everybody, do your due diligence and go share the show. I'm doing it right now. Uh, okay, come on now. Got a question for sense. us this week, Dion? Here to start it out. You bet I do. He said it's gonna be a tough listening. one. Well, I think it might be tough for Wes. I don't know about uh, everybody else. <laughs> but my now Wes, when I am ask I being targeted? Okay. <laughs> yeah, a little discriminated bit. against. Um, what is your least favorite flavor of Gatorade? Not your favorite. Oh. I don't care about your favorite. I want to know your least favorite. Like if somebody got you a Gatorade and it was this flavor, you'd say no. Well, a I'm a very polite person. And I would drink <laughs> the Gatorade. But I would I say know. my least favorite flavor is fruit punch. Boom. Dude, Without that's food. mine. That's that was going to be mine. The, the, the straight oh, like old it. school red. Lime Gatorade is the best. The yes. original flavor is, is what's meant to be drank. Right? When I was in Colorado a couple weeks ago, they had limited edition lemon lime Gatorade in cans. What? Like, really? In cans? Yeah. Ooh, that's, I love drinking. That's, that's like these cups. Have you ever had? We have here. Have they're had metal. Water I love drinking out of aluminum. You know, like uh, Dasani. Oh, you, oh, you've got the liquid death. Back in the day, in college, in the vending oh, machine, you could get a can of Dasani water, and it was like so good. It was way better than in the bottle. Man, canned soda. I like Gatorade with vodka. Ooh, hydrating, dehydrating. Of course you do. I really <laughs> do. Your I flavor. Mean, it's, it's so good. I, there's a video. Like, I didn't made a waterfall. With the different flavors and then just pour them all at the same time. Yeah. You know I'll what's another, another we need to give flavor. JT more to do. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> anything that it needs that needs handled, we need to text it over to T because he's making waterfalls out of Gatorade and vodka. That's on my so. own time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I think all time is your own time. I don't do it, I don't do it every day uh, at work. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. He only does some of the flavors at work. Yeah. Yeah, oh my you know what else is good? Gl- like the blue uh, glacier freeze or whatever it's called, glacier oh. frost. Man, we some. have we really line up. There's a lot of synergy <laughs> yeah. here on Gatorade flavors. Yeah. Yeah. There really I is. Agree. Wow. Now let me ask one real quick follow up to that before we get started. Okay. Gatorade or power? I'm here for it. Oh, this is tough, and I'll tell you why. Like we kind of have people. a little bit of like. I don't know, nostalgia yeah. with Powerade. No, I'm yeah. telling you right Coca-Cola now. Coca-Cola product, you know. There have the been innumerable times that I've walked into a grocery store and I have purchased Powerade. Even though I'm not familiar with the flavors, I don't, you know, right. I don't have the history and experience with Gatorade uh, or with uh, no, Powerade that I do with Gatorade, but I do that because they sponsored our sport. And that's, yes. to be honest, I actually think that's a huge takeaway. I mean, we talk about that all the time, that... Motorsports fans are amongst the most loyal fans that exist. And when we some see someone sponsoring our sport, I mean, I'm telling you right now, if Tide with Bleach sponsored a pro stock car, 
I'm throwing whatever's in gain. All that right. gain at the house is gone. I'm buying nothing but Tide, right? I mean, uh, I even, you know, I went to McDonald's yesterday and ordered like $87 worth of food just to throw a little bit of support to Jim Yates. You know what I mean? The old white, white cherry. No, I'm just joking. Yeah. Powerade white cherry. I've never even heard of that one, to be I honest. I like their zero. Their uh, Powerade zeros. I like I those. Know. You know, some sort, I like some Powerade thin. from a McDonald's <laughs> fountain machine. Oh, yeah. That shit's good. All Anything fountain sodas. Oh, here's right, another boys. one. Real yeah, quick. Get, Mountain uh, Dew. Diet Mountain Dew from like Taco Bell. Oh, yeah. That's good. From Taco Bell. Diet that's Mountain Baja Blast. Dude. Yeah. All right. Baja play the video. Blast. All right. Let's go. Let's roll. It's uncut, it's unfiltered. This is the show of shows. This is the biggest names in drag racing. No holds barred. Speaking his mind. I've never had a problem expressing my opinions, but what we're doing here is bigger than that. These are conversations that need to be had in an unfiltered way. Exploring hot topics. Drag racing's all I've ever done. It's all I care to do. And spreading the gospel of drag racing. I respect the history, I appreciate how far we've come, but I want more for this sport, and I'll fight for it. This is the great American motorsport, drag racing. The West Buck Show starts in three, two, one. Hey gang, Wes Buck here, Drag Illustrated Magazine, checking in. It is Wednesday, April 27th, 2022. We've got an action-packed show for you today. Uh, man, there's so much drag racing going on. I was trying to wrap my head around this over the weekend. We've got the NHRA selling out the Spring Nationals down in Houston, Texas for what appears to be the final time. We have Virginia Motorsports Park sold out out there uh, for the No Prep Kings uh, race number two of season five. We had a, a big crowd of, uh, of racers down at, uh, what is it, Alabama International Raceway, Steel, yeah. Alabama, for the Radial Outlaws series sponsored by Fuel Tech. Just so much good going on in the sport of drag racing that it really was, it's kind of hard. I mean, NMCAs and Rockingham, do you guys ever feel the same way I do that it's like, I don't even know where to uh, direct my attention or my focus. It's hard to it's hard to uh, to to pay attention effectively to all of it. But gosh, gosh knows. Well, we uh, have we're doing the means. We have the means to do that now. We've talked about that with yep. the live streaming platforms and all the uh, media outlets covering all this deal. Uh, I think the cool thing is to see, like you said, Houston packed out, VMP packed out. That that having these events doesn't split the crowd or the attention. It seems like there's enough to go around, which I think really speaks to the strength of the sport right now. It's almost, uh, it seems historically there have been moments where one thing would be burning white hot, like mm -hmm. radial tire racing would be burning white hot or the ADRL and, you know, pro nitrous and pro extreme were burning white hot. Um, Orska, I think back to like the, the glory days of outlaw 10, five and limited street and easy street kind of the, the roots of radial tire racing. And it seemed like historically there's always been one of them that were far and away the hottest topic or the thing JT and I, we talked about it right here on the show multiple times, how many instances there have been where you go to an NHRA national event and they're at like, Hey, are you paying attention to what's going on in Valdosta? Have you seen what's going on at some radial race or yep. whatever? Um, and it's kind of funny because what's happening right now, it would seem is it's, it's simultaneously burning white hot. It's like, across the board it's not just one segment of our sport it's all of it is as strong as i've seen it i believe i really do do you guys think I, i'm being overly no, no, dramatic I think, I think it is and i think the, the storylines in nhra right now are just stellar i mean you know the mix-up did good uh, for for several things and then you got even in pro stock you have 
Camry Crusoe coming in and really mixing it up there, uh, which, wow, what a great weekend they had as well. Yeah, there's, like you said, a lot of good storylines and a lot of excitement um, that is kind of carrying over from last year. And we we talked mm-hmm. about over the offseason with the new teams and new additions, and we're seeing stuff that we didn't even talk about, like the Bobby Bodie deal, seeing someone like, like this kid burst onto the scene with his uh, final round appearance and the big uh, boomer and blow the body off the thing and the whole everything that ensued after that with Tony Stewart. I, I like that he, that he threw his... He threw his gloves. Well, okay, I want to. We're going to talk about that. The, the, the whole deal. <laughs> the whole deal. Tony Stewart, you know, has brought already a ton of eyeballs to this sport, and I think his interaction involvement in it is what's impressed me. I think it's one thing to roll out there and field a team, uh, but he's there at every race, even when it's on top of other commitments he may have in NASCAR or anywhere else. He's there, and he's giving interviews and he's participating and I, I, you can't ask for anything more than that. I think no. that even, even when he's not there and he is say at a NASCAR race for him to be able to say something about the NHRA while he's on a broadcast is, is big for, for drag yeah. racing, I think. Oh, it's not, I think it's a fact. Yeah. I mean, it's that level of being guilty by association. I don't know that we could have, I've wanted to see something like this happen for a hundred years. I remember way back when, thinking to myself, I th- if I was NHRA, I would literally field a car and put Travis Pastrana in it or field a car and put right. Ken Block in it. You, you try to borrow these other people's fame and celebrity status and leverage it, piggyback somehow, some way. And to the fact that this deal just fell into our sports lap is pretty spectacular, in my opinion. The fact that Tony Stewart, this isn't some deal where NHRA reached out to him and made a bunch of uh, special arrangements for him to field a car. I mean, he did this on his own accord. And that's, it's a, it's kind of like the best of both worlds. You're getting that guilty by association. You're getting all that, but he's here because he wants to be here. And you can tell, I mean, you really can. The enthusiasm that he shows. I actually wrote about this on dragillustrated.com. Let's go ahead actually and bring on our first guest of the day. I, I think it. that this would be a fun conversation to have with him. And JT, I'm going to ask you, um, we will probably have to lose one of the sponsor banners here for a second so that we can make sure we see Woody's beautiful yeah. face. Um, <clears throat> but anyways, ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, let's give it up for the one and only Scott Woody Woodruff of Jeg's fame. What's going on, buddy? What's up? You know, just uh, getting through a uh, stacks of papers and uh, making phone calls and doing some email. Are you those the new me- digs? Looks like the new digs there at yeah. the uh, your new man cave. Woody, a Woody man cave is like a level above. Yeah, know, right. It's so nice. <laughs> yeah, it's therapy. <laughs> oh, it's really nice. Well, hey man, I want to ask you about that. As somebody, for those that don't know, you've been a part of the the Jegs family. Uh, we we joke that you're like the other Coughlin brother. Um, you've been a part of this scene since uh, what for over twenty years? Uh, yeah, over twenty four years since nine. So uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, you've been, you've had a front row seat. So let's, I've got a bunch of stuff that I want to run by you. You've had a front row seat for the Jegs, you know, all that Jeg Coughlin Jr. accomplished in pro stock, Troy Coughlin. Um, you've seen the emergence of these young drivers, TJ Coughlin, Paige Coughlin, um, even Cody and the other, you know, in, in other mm-hmm. types of racing. You've seen the business explode. Uh, you've seen this whole thing unfold. And it's being that you've, 
you've been there and you've you've had a front row seat for all of it. We were talking to start the show just how there seems to be a real energy around the sport of drag racing right now. I'm sure there have been some super heady times that you, that I hope you'll share with us. But what's your take on that? Having had the vantage that you have had for all these years, over two decades, almost two and a half decades, what's your take on the sport of drag racing right now? Do you feel kind of like the same level of a newfound enthusiasm or a, a something of it feels like the whole deal's reinvigorated for some for some reason. No, I definitely I definitely agree with that. I think uh, I think right now there's a lot of momentum. Um, I think drag racing for the most part did pretty well during the pandemic, and um, you know, I think everything's on the up and up. Really, I mean, there's a lot of good things happening. It's nice to see a lot of corporate uh, new corporate involvement kind of come into drag racing or return to drag racing, right. kind of like Pep Boy. Um, you know, there's the ticket sales and stuff. You know, I'm on different calls with NHRA and stuff, and they've been they've been very pleased with how, how that's been going. I think Gainesville would have been killer. Oh. <laughs> um, but woulda, shoulda, coulda. But, right. uh, you know, unfortunately in our sport, we have a couple of those a year, but uh, fortunately in our sport, we have enough races, so it's not something you really, how much do you think standing tall and strong during COVID, how much do you think that helped our position now as things begin to return to normal? Because it feels like being there and being visible during a time when there wasn't, you know, a whole lot of sports happening and wasn't a lot of live events happening. Do you think that's really helped us, you know, kind of that's where some of that momentum that we're experiencing right now has come from? Oh, I think so. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it showed that we were still, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, the TV stuff. It was, you know, racing in Indy. We did. Let's see. Pro Stock did it three times. Everybody else did it four, I think. But um, it was really weird to come around the corner underneath that bridge at, at uh <laughs> at Indy where normally like you look over Friday night pro stock session one and you're just like rolling under and there's places packed and you know, nobody there. It was weird. It was weird, but you still had to wear the crew shirts cause you had the TV. So yeah, man, <clears throat> did it, do you think that any of that experience, um, personally, I couldn't help but see the whole COVID experience as something of a dry run for a more TV focused product from the NHRA because they had this opportunity where they were able to kind of completely forego interacting with a live audience or entertaining a live audience and really focus on the TV program. I've had a lot of conversations with people behind the scenes and what the future looks like for, for NHRA. Do you feel like there's going to be a continued focus on the, the TV show and kind of going that direction versus hosting these massive live events and selling tickets? And, or, or do you think that it'll continue to kind of be one in the same? I think, I think you'll kind of have both, but you know, there's obviously a lot, you know, you, 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 at the end of the day, you only have so many, so many resources and so time. So, you know, you, you obviously you, you focus on the areas where the most people are. So that tends to be TV, that tends to be the internet, you know, that's, that's where the people are. That's where the eyeballs are. That's where, you know, social NHRA has been, uh, you know, a little bit more, I don't want to, uses the word lenient, but they've, they've come, come to realize over the last couple of years, especially with Glenn kind of taking over the helm that, you know, 
stop, you know, let, let some more, you know, less walls down about media as far as pictures and images and video and, and all that, you know, but at the end of the day, we're in a, we're in a now world, you know, sharing content. That's what it's all about, you know? No, hundred percent. And I mean, it's, I think you have to the modern day, it's the modern day word of mouth, you know? It really is. And I think I've, I've noticed that as well. I mean, from our perspective at Drag Illustrated, the access that we're able to consistently get now is a world different than it was a few years ago. And I think it makes, it's helping. It's clearly making a difference because to your point, I mean, a lot of the viral clips that happen from sporting events, they're not you know, they're not captured by the the television broadcast. They're captured by some dude in the stands, you know, with a beer in one hand and an iPhone in the other. Then and you see it on Barstool. <laughs> yeah. And then it's everywhere, you know. And so I, I think opening up to that and being a little bit more receptive to, to that type of media has been fantastic. What do you think, like, if you had what's uh, well actually i want to ask you this what do you think is your proudest moment as a media pr guy like i i, I love i know you've been involved with but jumbotrons and new york time or uh, times square in new york city you've goodyear blimps you've you've been a part of a ton of huge pr campaigns and publicity stunts what do you think's like your proudest one of all of oh burnouts in uh, downtown uh not columbus in delaware right? Uh, outside yeah. of the, the Jags facility. Wait, I mean, is there one that you're especially proud of? Um, yeah, probably, probably my, the, the, probably the funnest one for me, uh, was kind of just being, I can't remember what year it was, but it was at Indy before Indy, um, Jag was going to, uh, this is before he recognized <clears throat> with the, uh, slammers brand. So at that time, those guys, you know, I wasn't that. It was more or less Cagnazzi's group that he had handling things at that time. And and uh, when uh, when Jag just asked me point blank, you know, do you think this new group at Slammers and the, the marketing group that they have helping, do you think uh, do you think they got this? And I said, no. <laughs> and he said, well, what would you do? And I said, I said just. I said, well, I don't know. I said, I, you know, let's do something big at Indy that, that's bigger than bigger than uh, bigger than what what we've thought about. And he says, just take it and run with it, you know. And this was like ten days before. Um, so I remember I called a friend of mine, uh, Don Lee, who owns uh, Horizons Companies, and. Uh, said, Hey, let's, let's, uh, we need to take a site visit tomorrow to Indianapolis. And, uh, so we, uh, we drove over and, uh, it gave me time to think about what I wanted to, and ultimately what I wanted to do was, you know, I thought let's have a fun moment during the U S nationals, you know, let's do it. Let's do a, a, an unveil. So, so I, thought, okay, we can do this for the TV. That's easy. That's a camera, but where can we do this at, at Indy? And Indy's got this, like, as you know, right after, right after, um, probably the, about a hundred foot, kind of like on the left, you can just turn out. Yeah. There's all that asphalt there. I thought that's the spot, you know, they could be doing, they could be cleaning the track. They could be doing whatever they're doing on the track 
this could be in what they're doing and be a focal point. So, so basically we sat in the stands and I said, okay, this is what I want. I need it. The car's got to be up in the air. So we came up with the idea, okay, we got to find a trailer. Literally both up there on the phone and uh, found a trailer, some farm type of trailer. And I said, we got to make this thing circular so it doesn't look like a trailer. So we had skirting on it and, you know, <laughs> had his guy and stuff. I mean, I didn't do anything at the race shop with this. So um, at the time, we probably had enough distractions going on. So, um, but I took it, you know, we took it over, finished it over at uh, Don Lee's studio. And, uh, and then I kept thinking, okay, how are we going to get fan involvement with this? And, and so I kind of, you know, we were in a, in a meeting and I just started saying, riddle me this. And I kept, kept saying that. So I made these cards, you know, we put the car all covered up on the midway and just put riddle me this and, and made it, made it look like it was a GM announcement (laughs) and not a Jags announcement kind of get the light off of us so much um and then i thought you know okay how 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 can we ensure that there's going to be people in the stands so i i called a um an aerial had banners flying over the track be in your seats at whatever time and you know and, and it worked out like you know glenn cromwell actually at the time was working in in uh in the marketing department and I remember him coming up to me specifically, hey, do you need any help from me and my guys? Do you need any help? I'm like, nope, I got this. I got this, you know. And uh, so as I'm having planes fly over, this car gets put into place. And I had like the cue the balloons, you know, and 10,000 <laughs> balloons go <laughs> out from behind the uh, the tower. That was that was probably the one I was most proud of. Um and then a couple of weeks later, um, you know, did did some other cool stuff. But that was probably that was probably the one I was most proud of. I, I love things like that, and I actually wish there were more of them. And I was going to ask you this right before we brought you on. We started down the path of kind of how lucky we are right now with the sport of drag racing that we've got a guy like Tony Stewart <clears throat> that has all this NASCAR history and all this kind of NASCAR level expectations, right? Like. You can see it in the way they present themselves, like the team, everything's buttoned up, all the you know I's are dotted, T's are crossed. But we've talked a lot about it right here on the show that the press conferences, the commitment to social media. I'm just curious, like, do you agree that we're maybe we'll see more 10,000 balloons getting released from the back of the tower now that a, a new standard is being set? We saw it whenever they unveiled their team. When was that, Mike? Late last year? Charlotte? Yeah. Yeah. So they unveiled the team. They've got lights, cameras, you know, the whole bit, the 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 nice table with all the name tags on it and everybody's mic'd up. Do you think that we will see? I mean, yourself, do you feel any like, okay, that's that's the direction this deal is headed. That's and I think it's personally positive for the sport of drag racing. I think we needed someone to be kind of forcing the issue to play the part. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think Tony, uh, Tony brings a lot of credibility. I think is the right word. Um, you know, as, as you guys all know, like the motorsport, you're kind of in a, you're in a fraternity, you know, like if I, if I go to other, you know, obviously in the drag racing world, I spend a lot of time, but when I go to other events, there's kind of a, 
I don't want to say it's like you're in a fraternity, but, but you, there's kind of like that, that acceptance, um, to see Tony come over and really just not just put a stamp of approval on, on the sport, you know, by spending time, um, you know, with his wife and, uh, at the racetrack, that's a big stamp of approval to, uh, to come out and, uh, have an effort like what he's got going on. So, um, kudos to him, you know, he, He's been, uh, you know, he's been a lot of fun to work with, um, known him for a number of years, but really just in passing, short passings. Uh, but um, but he's got, you know, he's got some great people around him, back on people, uh, people that he really has has a lot of trust in to get the job done, you know. So. It's a pretty amazing thing, and I, I think you're exactly right. Like that is the word, right? It's an endorsement. It's uh, it brings an air of legitimacy to what we're doing. If he's out here, and I also think it's cool for me. And I don't know about if you've ever felt this way, and just being honest, sometimes like on the drag racing kind of like totem pole, or excuse me, the motorsports totem pole, I've always felt like drag racing kind of lagged, and it would I get, took it like personally uh, shocking. But I would be like, man, we deserve better. Like we deserve more than what we get. Right. I don't I, I didn't understand and I still don't understand oftentimes, you know, how like I'm not convinced that Formula One's all that more exciting than drag racing or IndyCar or all these other. I mean, I see the 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 pomp and circumstance and the enthusiasm that surrounds rally racing and a lot of this stuff. And don't get me wrong, it's all great. But I've never felt like drag racing was really where it belonged, considering how long this sport has been around, how easy to understand it is. I mean, all these things, how many participants there are, it just feels like we've never gotten the, the gotten our due. And I think personally, Tony Stewart, just him showing up and fielding a team to your point, Woody, it has yeah. elevated our status in the motorsports landscape. And it's a fantastic thing in my opinion. What's your take right now on pro stock? Obviously uh, you've seen it for a couple, you know, generation, you know, a couple, <clears throat> a couple of decades here. I'm just curious, like looking at the scene right now, we've got a whole influx of fresh blood, new folks. Uh, late last year, we had uh, TJ, Dallas, Glenn, um, uh, Kyle Koretsky, and Aaron Stanfield on the cover of the magazine. Uh, all these young kids showing up in the, in the, to the factory hot rod division alongside, you know, the Greg Andersons and Erica Enders and all these legends that exist in the space. What's your take on that class? Because it feels to me, despite the car counts we're seeing in Top Fuel and Funny Car, but even like this last weekend in Houston, man, there's a lot. There's there's so much excitement and so many storylines around Pro Stock right now. I still think it's like the unsung hero of the whole show, the whole NHRA Camping World Series. I mean, how, how do you feel about it at this point in time? Well, there's you know, there's a lot. There's a lot going on behind the scenes in pro stock, just like any other class or any other type of racing. But, you know, to your point, like the, as close as it's been, as far as I can remember. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's pretty serious. I mean, honestly, like this sounds just, I mean, I thought there in the world that we're not qualifying. <laughs> we're right. You know, period. Just, I just didn't. It never even crossed my mind, you know. Um, but, you know, the class, you know, it used to be like you could come out of the trailer, you could get kind of close, and then you could pick away at it for three qualifying runs. Well, no, 
you pretty much got to have your shit together right out of the trailer or you're you're definitely going to be at a disadvantage you know any any opportunity that you have behind the eight ball typically isn't the place to be just makes it makes the class that much harder makes it, making decisions that much harder um and really just puts a little pressure on yourself you know over the weekend we had an airline that came off in the in the um right before the parachutes so i mean it just it blew the whole bottle down to nothing to where the bottle was frozen you know it's a freak that happens you know um you know and then you don't get down two runs you know but there's 20 cars there so you get to watch from the pine you know <laughs> it's i mean and, you know as bummer as bad of a situation as it i'm sure it was in the moment it does speak to the health of the class. I mean, a lot of times I see it all the time on Facebook and social media. People, oh, man, I wish pro stock was like it was back in the 70s or back yeah. in the 80s. And it's like, well, hey, man, uh, if you paid attention back then, there was like two, maybe three good cars. Yeah. The rest were field fillers, fi excuse me, field fillers. And I mean, I'm trying to you know be uh, disrespectful, but it was the truth. There was two or three cars that ran away with it oh, you yeah. know, for years and years on end. And then you look at where we're at right now. And then everybody else is like down here. Yeah, <laughs> man. And it's not like that now. I mean, holy yeah. cow. Every car that was in Houston, even the ones that DNQ'd, could have been in the final. You know, like yeah. given they're all top contending Absolutely. cars, which is a great thing. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, wh what do you make of just that resurgence in pro stock? I mean, one of the things that we've pointed to, and I'm curious how you feel about this, was the reduction in events, right? This was huge news uh, a few years ago when the NHRA reduced the pro stock schedule from 22 races or 24, whatever they had at the time, to 18, which seems to have immediately paid dividends. Um, as someone who's in the business of creating content and media and headlines and all that, which, how did you interpret that reduction? Was that a positive move? Did you like it? Do you think that that's contributed to where we're at right now as far as car count and, and performance across the board? Or Well, I would, I, honestly, you know, the the reason why the class is having the success that it has right now is that everybody's on the same page, you know, meaning, meaning you know, a couple of years ago when things were kind of dowdy with the class, you know, it was... Uh, you know, we, there were a lot of behind the scenes conversations, you know, um, Greg Anderson, Richard, myself, others, a lot of people working behind the scenes to have one solid direct, everybody agreed that they wanted to go. And, um, I think having less races was, was one of them. Um, you know, uh, and I think having, having all the engine, uh, lease houses, for lack of a better word, or horsepower houses kind of bring their costs down a little bit, um, really across the board. And that that helped out a lot. You know, at the end of the day, most of these most of the guys class, I say guys in a loose term, but they. Uh, you know, I've always said racing, racing is uh, competitive problem solving. <laughs> and, you know, there is nothing a a entrepreneur or business owner can do to unwire themselves for the weekend to not be that guy guy or gal you know so um i think that's why racing to me racing lends itself to somebody like that they want to be they thrive on that um so a lot of you that's why you see 
a lot of uh, drivers in competition eliminator and pro stock and a lot of sportsman classes that are business owners, you know, um, because this is their golf on the weekends, you know, a hundred percent. It's just some of them have a really kick-ass set of golf clubs, you know, <laughs> it's extremely expensive set of yeah, golf clubs. But you're 100% right, man. Yeah, man. It's uh no, I, I agree with that. And it's, it's been funny to see how that level of communication and commitment to a, a, a shared vision has, I mean, I say funny, like, like it just, I mean, who's surprised that, Hey, we get everybody together and yeah. we start sharing ideas and communicating. I mean, it's hilarious to me that like it took so long to accomplish that. Do you think some of that's what's happening in the NHRA as a whole right now? Because it, it feels like there's a, there's more of a, more of an effort to, Everybody is kind of communicating. I hear about you're on calls all the time and NHRA. I mean, they're investing in their media department. They're investing in a lot of different places. And it feels like, by all accounts, it's headed in the right direction. I think so. I think um, I think what the pandemic did as far as having events, you know, whether you're on the team side or you're on the promotion side or you're a fan, just kind of keeping things going as a group. And I think... I think Glenn, uh, to his credit, gave everybody the credit, which is true, which which is valid. And, you know, I think he definitely uh, all tides rise type of guy. And uh, I think by being positive, you know, the reason why, you know, the sport was able to come out of this in the positive is because everybody at every level had sacrifice, you know, whether it was money, whether it was time, whether it was whatever. I mean, there was, everybody had sacrifice. So everybody did their part. And I think that that's kind of the, has been the catalyst to what, what we're seeing now, you know? When you look around the sport, like it's easy. We could spend this whole show talking about NHRA, but we were touching uh, right as we were going live that, you know, the No Prep Kings had a barn burner of an event out at Virginia Motorsports Park. Uh, NMCA had a great weekend at Rockingham. How much uh, do you pay Midwest Drag Racing Series? Was that Memphis for the last time? I mean, how much uh, attention do you pay to all these other sanctions and series? I know Jags has big involvement with a lot of different big money bracket racing events and sportsman racing events. I mean, because it's not the success that uh, is happening in the sport of drag racing is not limited to an NHRA national event. It's happening in many places. Do you feel good about like the future of drag racing across the board? Because it's it's certainly not just an NHRA national event that is drawing crowds. No, I think I think the sport is very healthy. Drag racing as a whole. Um, you know. It's 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 whether it's at the local level or or national level, it's 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 very healthy. And there's plenty of different drag racing out there for everybody. Um, eighth mile, quarter mile, you know, but whatever you want, it's there. Um, I think the you know, it's nice seeing like the NMCAs and the street, a lot of the street legal stuff really kind of kick up Agreed. because I think that just that's relatable everybody can they have that vehicle they have already have that asset and that's probably what what for most people seems to be the biggest stumbling block for getting involved with racing is not having the actual car not having the asset so if this is your daily driver you got it anyhow but you yeah you just put some different wheels on it on the weekends 
um, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. It I, is cool. I, man. I mean, as, I, you know, our business, our businesses do, um, you know, the pandemic was very kind to the aftermarket business. People had lots of time on their hands and, you know, and we were, uh, you know, we obviously had a lot of challenges just like other companies, but, uh, but at the end of the day, we were, we were a company that was going to help put a smile on your face when you probably didn't really have one. So that's a fact, man. What do you make of uh, Paige Coughlin's move into the No Prep Kings? I know she's yet to make her debut, but it sounds like that's coming soon. Uh, I know that's a, a kind of a new world for the Jags brand. Is that exciting to you guys? Is there conversations going on behind the scenes? Like, wow, we may have an opportunity to engage a completely new customer base. You know, we're we're all the time looking for ways. To- Engage new customers, just like any other business, no matter what you do. Um, I like the fact that 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 Paige wanted to do something, go a totally different direction. I think it's pretty bold. Uh, yeah, very. She's bold. very articulate. Um, you know, her and I have her and I have. Uh, you know, she'll call me every once in a while, like if she, hey, what do you think about this? Or, or if I see something. You know, from I'm like, hey, you know, maybe why'd you do this, or what was your thought here? Um, but she's uh, she's pretty in tune with it. She's pretty committed with what she's got in her head. So, um, you know, that's cool to see. Will you go to some of those races with her? Will you um, check I it think out? I will. I think yeah. I will. I think I will. I I uh, you know I like seeing new stuff. Like you know, I got an invite to go see, um, the, uh, the Columbus crew and the DC, DC United. I haven't gone to a soccer game since I played little league soccer. So, <laughs> um, I, I, but like when I go to other sporting events, I'm looking at signage and how they're interacting with the crowd and what, what's neat and what's something that I can translate into something that we're working on. Um, but I, you know, I think the Jags has something for everybody. And the fact that, you know, we've got family members that, that want to branch out into different subsections of racing is, uh, is, is pretty awesome. I tend to agree, man. It's, uh, it's cool. And I'm actually excited about it because I think that I would, I like the notion that we can kind of bring some of, I think Jags is so associated with NHRA and like traditional drag racing and I think it will be cool to just see some of that, uh, knowing that you're involved and Jags is involved, cr- some cross-pollination, right? Like bringing a little bit of our world to their world and bringing a little bit of their world to ours. Uh, it reminds me like my favorite thing about our race down in Orlando, the World Door Slammer Nationals, is we borrowed the name, you know, the chip draw. Nobody yeah. knowing who there's going to run and, and who we they're going to run. We actually talked about that this week. Bo Butner and I talked about it. It was like, he said, you know, Man, it'd be really cool, like how we did at the door slammer, where you, you just drew somebody, and then then you didn't even know what lane you were in when you pulled up here. You know, I honestly think there's his, a lot to it. Yeah, his point was just like, you know, we're so uh, in pro stock, we're so worried about the little incremental little changes that if you didn't know what lane that you were going to be in, right or left, does it really make that big of a difference? Probably not. Right. But if you know which lane you're going to be in and what it does, you'd like to think that you got a slight advantage and who knows. But. No, I agree, man. I love that. And from for what it's worth, that's the whole reason that I want 
like we, I fired up that post on Facebook going, okay, we got to get a group of people to go to the formula one race in Las Vegas next fall, because there's going to be opportunities to learn from them and borrow things. Like you said, signage and how they interact with the fans and how they, you know, the user experience, so to speak, and to be able to, you know, borrow things and some of it works, some of it doesn't. I mean, I've had experience where I try to bring something from another sport or a different motorsport or drag racing and bring it over here and it doesn't really work. Right. But Sometimes it does. I mean, like the name draw thing, borrowing that from the street outlaws, the chip draw, I think that's one of the most exciting moments that you can create in the sport of drag racing. You get these real human reactions from people where you're going, you get to see the look on Erica Ender's face when she draws Greg Anderson in round one. You yeah. know what I mean? Or whatever. Like, yeah, those probably are like great this. moments. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, right. No, it's just <laughs> such a cool thing, man. And I, I, I love any opportunity I have to to gain a little bit of uh, insight from how other people are doing it. Right. Yeah, I think um, I think, you know, that it boils down to, you know, whether it's a press announcement, whether it's a race, whether it's uh, an unveiling. I mean, you want to try and control as much of this as you can, you know, and and, um, you know, early on, I, you know, I learned a lot from Jeg Senior, uh, a lot of it on the fly. You know, he would he would totally kind of let let me make mistakes and and uh, and he was the type of person you could go back and say, well, what would you done different? You know, after the fact, well, did you think about this? Did you think about that? You know, um, question. And and I uh, I really appreciate your time here today. I do want to briefly remind everybody, JT, give me a, a chance here. Uh, <clears throat> I'd like to remind everybody that today's episode is brought to you by. Our friends at Stroud Safety. Stroud Safety is known for their top quality racing safety equipment from drag chutes and seat belts to fire suits, gloves and blankets, all 100% made in America. Log on to stroudsafety.com slash Wes and make sure you tell them we sent you. You can uh, get a special discounts, all sorts of special offers by uh, using that domain, stroudsafety.com slash Wes. Uh, Woody, kind of closing question here. I just wanted to ask you, and maybe you can help us pull this off and get Jeg Sr. on here one of these days. Um, yeah. But I'm just curious, does he, you hear, you know, those of us in the business, we've heard many, many times the Jeg's way. And I'm just curious, where do you, like, the all that attention to detail, have you seen that always be the case? Was that just something that's ingrained in Jeg Sr., Jeg Coughlin, um, in that he just had an appreciation for the standardization of the yellow, right? I mean, you guys have your own paint code. Um, you've done all these things, all this uh, attention to detail, how we handle ourselves, how the logo looks, where the logo's placed. Don't turn it diagonal. I mean, you guys have real brand <laughs> standards. You know what I mean? That I think is incredible that doesn't exist in a lot of places, right? Um, yeah. where, is that Has that always been the story with, with Jeg? Um, you know, it's definitely more thought of now. Um probably more so in the last 15 years, maybe. Um, But it's just, you know, I, I, I take a lot of, you know, I look at guys like Roger Penske. I look at guys like uh, Jack Nicholas and their brands. Both of them are just as people, they're great people, number one, but they're just iconic. And you don't see either one of them, just a whole bunch of, partners you know there's key players and that's it you know and they're i mean it's rolex it's shell it's you know it's all the big names heard of um 
you know, I learned a lot from watching golf tournaments, just less is more, you know, and that's probably where the stage thing, I lived on, and on the 12th hole at Muirfield village and every year growing up, I'd see them, you know, we, the event just turning this already killer golf course into just a playground for the PGA players around the world, you know, and, uh, there was never a whole lot of signage. So I think it was big thing. The colors, colors are, are a big part of branding. I mean, you got red line oil right over your shoulder and you got Holly, you know, down below. I mean, and Stroud, those are all iconic colors for those. Companies, right. You know? Yeah. And they don't, they don't uh, deviate. No, right. I remember one time, one time Jag senior made a funny comment, like, it was talking about oh, changing the logo that somebody brought up doing a cool kind of new logo. And he, he was like, well, you don't see Wendy's change their logo every year. <laughs> you know, it was just like dead silence, you know? <laughs> well, and that's a good reference, man. I mean, and a lot of his, a lot of his things, his things were very, uh, they sound very basic. His, his big thing was, uh, is it nice or is it necessary? You know, it's nice to have that, but is it necessary? Is that really going to make the difference? So, uh, no, it's, I've, you know, it's, it's, it's a great brand for me. It's been, I've had an unbelievable seat to watch from and grow with and grow from, Um, you know, to meet and jag and six throwing, uh, he doesn't remember it like this protractors out of kids getting out of the bus or no compass. Sorry, not a protractor. The one with the point thing. Oh yeah, man. Um, it's right up JT's alley. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. (laughs) So to see those guys, uh, build that brand and use racing to help really make it as we're getting into the mail order business in the, in the late eighties, you know, mid nineties, really pushing that and then having success on the racetrack in a national level, um, at what I would say was the height of drag racing I've seen so far. So, but, uh, but not to say that we will not see that or something similar again. Um, but I think we got good things in store for Jags on and off so, right? track. So, and I think our sport's in great shape. I really do. I mean, our, at the end of the day, this sport is 100% driven on, you know, there's a lot, if you look at it, if you're an accountant and you looked at it, you would tell yourself you're just, that's not a good decision, but sometimes all decisions don't take emotion involved. Yeah, I agree, emotion man. And and I, competition, uh, adrenaline, the three of those together, are pretty, uh, pretty lethal combination. Pretty potent, my friend. Well, hey, Woody, thank you so much for taking some time on a Wednesday afternoon to shoot the breeze with us. We ju- we truly appreciate it. Look forward to, uh, forward to seeing you at the races a bunch this summer, man. Uh, we, I think I'm going to crash your your house party. That's you the should. plan. That's you the should. plan. All right, brother. Well, hey, thank you so much for being here. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, man. Thanks, Woody. What's going on, guys? Where did you guys go? I thought you were... Me and JT ran to go get a bite to eat. I was like, where where did they go? I thought we were going to have like a group conversation with Woody, and you left me there on my lonesome. I was going to jump in on that last part that Woody was talking about with the colors. I've only seen the Jags logo not in yellow and black one time, and it's actually a a post that TJ I think made on his Instagram a couple months ago. And there was a, it looked like a Troy senior driving what maybe was an X 
Warren Johnson or Kurt Johnson car that they had bought. And so it was painted like white and purple or blue or something like that. And I think probably, you know, time constraints prevented them from repainting it or whatever. So they put like a blue or purple or blue, I don't know, some some color like that Jags logo on the side of the car. Like no joke. Like purplish blue on white. And if you see it, it just, it reminds you right. of, of, yeah, you're <laughs> so used to seeing a brand like that in those colors, but um, get to know Woody over the last couple of years. And like you said, the attention to detail and how they do things. Um, it's been, uh, it's been a, a good uh, learning experience for us. It's been, he's been kind of a mentor to us as far as media and, and uh, all this stuff over the last couple of years. Man, I really do, and I wanted to touch on that <clears throat> with him, just to talk about raising the expectations that are associated with like drag racing media. And I'm seeing it across the board. Like I, I think our our buddy is Lyle Barnett in the green room. I believe he is. We're yep. gonna bring Lyle on, but we're bringing him on right now. Across the board. Yeah, let's do that. There Lyle, he what's is. up, big dog? He wasn't ready. Yeah. He wasn't <laughs> ready. ready. We treat him. him. Treat yeah. him. Bam. Yeah. I'm surprised you're not First somewhere uh, no prep racing. Son of a gun. You run well, beer money like every other day. You don't have to put I'm rods right. in that thing? No, man. Pete Harrell at HED built that motor. You don't have to put rods in those. You don't get to work on it again? <laughs> have to I, work I haven't taken the valve covers off in 10 months. That's what makes it fun, man. <laughs> now, that's, that's my kind of race car. Oh, yeah. right? Perfect. He did tell me the other day we probably should because we converted that thing from hydraulic roller to solid like a year ago. And I think I've taken the valve covers off once. And I'm like, dude. I don't hear anything when that thing's running. The valve covers are not <laughs> coming off. You know how hard it is to put a valve cover gasket in an intake in a LS valve cover? Absolutely not coming off. I thought I can't believe it had a hydraulic roller in it prior to now. Oh yeah. Those things are fine, yeah. man. Well, I mean, I, I guess mean, you just built it in a in a junkyard out in Southern California or something, right? Yeah. Pete built it with a ball peen hammer and a couple of files found in the toolbox at James Lawrence's <laughs> shop. <laughs> it's let's crazy. let's watch this here after the race there. I feel like right, I need you? a couple beers. To watch this, I do. Makes JT me want to drink a beer right to, now. To, to I do. In here. Two, three. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Listen to that crowd. Here, here's an okay. awesome shot of it right here. Just, just a shot. Like, look at this. This yeah, is like this a, is a GIF, uh, right? like a GIF or whatever. Yeah, play it. There you go. Dude, Dude, that could go so viral. Pumped up. I know that is the crowd was so that. pumped up. That's awesome. Well, I saw you make a post, Lyle, on social. I think you said something to the effect of like you've never seen a crowd so engaged. Never. Um, I mean, and you could hear it, the engagement and the enthusiasm right there as you're in the winner circle. Now you've done a lot of winning, big dog, right? Last year was pretty good to Lyle Barnett. Um, had some big NHRA wins, and I'm not trying to make it one of these this versus that type of thing. But I mean, watching that clip right there, brother, that looked like a, a moment that you probably will never forget. No. And so after we won, <clears throat> I drove the car back, you know, streetcar, and uh, I stopped by the trailer to pick up some beer, <laughs> headed to the winter circle. And these people are like, hey, they've already got beer. And I was like, not enough. So I grabbed some more, <laughs> fired the car back up, drive it to the winter circle. And Tyler Crossnow was actually like, dude, drive it in front of the crowd. I'm like, they let me do that. I mean, I don't, you know, I mean, I've ran three of these. I've ran three no prep Kings events now. And, uh, and so I just took off, you know, and beer money's not very loud. It's a turbo, you know, turbo LS, but I could hear the crowd over the car as I'm driving. And I never stopped. Like I just drove in front of the crowd and was kind of fist pumping out the window. And I got back to the trailer and I'm like, 
man, if they'll let me do that, I wonder. So I text Sam Corcus and I'm like, Sam, if I drive back in front of the crowd, can I stone cold two beers standing on the intake? And his exact words were abso effing lutely. So <laughs> That's I awesome. grabbed two yeah. beers and the guys, we filled it back up with fuel. I drove it back around and then we did that. And it was so awesome. Like they, <laughs> they were as pumped up about shitbox beer money as they were about any other race. And the guys had told me, I think we won first or second round. And I went through the finish line and the entire crowd went crazy. And all my guys were like, did something just happen? You know, was there a flyover or something? But they were just pumped up. And they were, I mean, I sold out of t-shirts and we're parked at the other end of the racetrack. We're not in like the, uh, the high rollers area, you know, we're down still on the pavement, but we're past the scoreboards, you know, and really? I sold out of t-shirts. I mean, it was unbelievable. I've never, that says never a seen a racetrack like that. It says a lot about a couple of things. The crowd that's there. I think that no prep Kings and these, these, uh, these types of events get a little bit of a rep of that the the fans that are there are you know uh, celebrity chasers or mm -hmm. or they only only want to see TV stars. But based on what you're saying, it's more hardcore racers that we're mm -hmm. in race fans that follow your career and and what you've done, and also the fact that Sam is, is willing to let you go do that and put on a show for the fans that are there, even if it doesn't make it to TV or whatever they end up using right. that. They're putting on a show, not yeah. only on TV, but also uh, for the people that come out and buy a ticket, which I think yep. that's that's sort of hard to bridge that gap sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't like there's a there's a totally different fan base that follows that series. And I noticed it the first time and I've paid when I was at Darlington last year and I've paid more attention as we've went to more of these events. <clears throat> You've got some hardcore racers that, you know, that come to these deals. and But for the most part and I don't know how to say this without – I don't want to call them clueless, but they are – their fan they, – they stumbled across this because they watched the Discovery Channel. Yeah. They right. didn't – They didn't. Show, most of the fans that come to those – which is cool because most of those are – let's say half of them are first-timers, and I bet half again of those will come back again next year. Or it's, we'll a new, it's a new market. Yeah. It's it's yep. spreading the message, spreading and the gospel of drag racing to to a new market. And that we saw that back in the day with the ADRL. That's kind of reminds me of that. Some of the knock on ADRL was the free ticket deal drew a bunch of people that didn't really know what they were watching. And that may have been true to a degree, but after they came to a, a race and had a hell of a time and saw some crazy stuff that that they were really entertained by, they came back or they spread mm -hmm. that word to their friends. So there's two sides to that story, and and there's definitely that positive side. To as it. well as as well as you going out there and putting on a show for them. Yeah. I mean, that may be something that they went back to work and told their right. buddies. You know, oh man, this one guy. You know, he's driving yeah. this, this beater and he beat everybody, and then he got up there and did a stone cold. You know, he may relate to that, and then that may, that's what might bring. Him well, back and I think I've said this, I've told this story ten thousand times over the years. But how many times have you been driving down the road and seen a in loving memory? of Dale Earnhardt, number three in the back of a Toyota truck. Mm -hmm. Well, anybody that knows anything about NASCAR or Dale Earnhardt knows that Dale Earnhardt was a Chevy man. He would roll over in his grave to see his number on a Toyota, yeah. right? Yeah. But that tells me that the guy driving that truck, they don't really care about 358 cubic inch small blocks or four speeds or how much that car weighs, new generation. They care about Dale Earnhardt. They were a mm -hmm. fan of him. And I think that's what you're talking about. And that's some of our sports benefiting from that on a lot of levels right now because we've, we finally have <clears> – <throat> the coolest part about it is it's 
primarily been by way of guys like yourself, Stevie Jackson comes to mind, Leah. They've taken matters into their own hands and they've started creating content on social media and sharing their story, letting people kind of peek behind the veil and find out who these are, who these folks are. And now they're getting to know Lyle Barnett. And they don't care if you're driving beer money or if you're driving the freaking baddest pro mod car red on velvet. the planet Earth, that red velvet, they're, they're a fan of you. And I honestly think that that's where our sport has lagged behind many other motorsports, many other stick and ball sports, is that we haven't been building stars. We haven't been building... I mean, the original slogan of the NHRA was where the cars are the stars. And I think that it, you know, obviously no disrespect to Wally Parks and, you know, the founder of the NHRA and, you know, in many ways, the inventor of drag racing um, or at least the ultimate organizer of it. We certainly wouldn't be here today without him. But I really do think that that was it kind of set our sport kind of on a different course from other sports that were looking for their next big star who is going to be the transcendent star and we're just seeing some of that happen in drag racing right now i'm curious and again i know that this is kind of a touchy thing and everybody you know gets in their feels really quickly when it comes to drag racing but it's it's such an emotional passion driven sport that i think it's unavoidable but when you like look at the lay of the land right now this last weekend you race in front of a capacity crowd you know uh in beer money uh, a, a hatchback mustang with a turbo ls in it right and and see that kind of fanfare. Can you compare and contrast those two? And you're headed this weekend to Z-Max Dragway, the Bellagio of drag strips for the four wide nationals out in Charlotte, North Carolina. Can you just compare and contrast those two different worlds? Um, and like as an aspiring, you know, pro level racer, um, a guy that wants to drive a race car for the rest of his life for a living. What do you make of those two different scenes right now? Is there a way to merge those places? Do you go to both? Do you pick one? I mean, what's what's your take on it? In in some ways, I I think they're very similar, and in other ways, I think they couldn't be more different. Mm -hmm. um, I true I truly believe that the the influx of of new interest is coming by way of the street outlaws, and I mean that from a fan base perspective. Yeah. There are not tons of new fans showing up to NHRA national events week in and week out, but I can guarantee you that there are new fans, more new fans showing up to street outlaw events across the nation week in and week out way more than there are showing up to NHRA national events. Now NHRA national events are still a packed house. Like you look up, I looked up in the grandstands at, in the second round of eliminations uh, on Sunday in Gainesville, <laughs> and it was pretty freaking packed, right? You know, I mean, I, I still think that that both have their place. I wish there was a way that you could put them together. I don't really know. I'm not the one to ask to how to do that. Um, you guys are better at, at knowing how that works. Um, but the fan base, like, to give you kind of an idea, the fan base that, the majority of the fans that came by my trailer this past weekend at Virginia Motorsports Park for No Prep Kings knew of me because of Netflix, right? They knew of the car hmm. because of the two episodes that I was on the fastest car from that. I mean, I don't hear uh, – I, I mean, a little bit I heard, hey, when are you going back out in the pro mod? But the majority of people by was like, hey, man, I, I watched you on that Netflix show when you raced that Tesla, you know? Not, I mean, there were several that knew about the Horsepower Wars show – but the large majority of the people that knew me 
prior to coming there or, or maybe there were some that came there to see us run. They saw that we were going there, had watched me on the Netflix show and came there to watch us race. Um, you know, and, and the same thing really, when I go to these different tracks uh, in the NHRA running pro mod, I get it a lot. You know, there are people that, Hey man, I saw you on that Netflix show, you know, and, and not, I would say very few people today know me as an NHRA pro mod driver. It's more, interesting, man. Yeah, I mean, more, more know me as the driver of beer money because of the Netflix show. Like, and a I think large majority, you're you're dead on is because, and I think that there, that to some extent, I, I liken it to to music. Right, there are plenty of people that are ne- they're only going to go to a country music show, and mm-hmm. there's nothing you could do that's going to get them to a rock and roll show or a heavy metal show or a rap show. Right. And I, I recognize that they're totally they are different audiences, but I can't help but look at what's happening with street outlaws and no prep kings and go, man, should the NHRA have a booth at those events? You oh, know, yes, should there be I some? Think so. I think so. I mean, should there be some effort being made to bring the fan that's, you know, it loves Ryan Martin or ro- loves Lizzie Musi and has fallen in love with this character on television? Is there a way to say, hey. You know, there is a professional NHRA series with touring pros that go to 20 races a year. You know, it, I, it feels like there is an opportunity there to grow NHRA by way of, you know, these massively popular no prep king races. And I mean, there's a lot of this stuff going on and it feels and I, like you said, I don't know exactly where that starts. But, you know, I think Woody kind of led uh, told us earlier that some communication you know, and some willingness right. to talk and discuss and, and figure out where we all want to go collectively. I think it can make a big difference, man. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we've actually got uh, another guest that I want to bring into the to the show here uh, in the green room right now. One of uh, the main men down at Fuel Tech in uh, Ballground, Georgia, a good friend of mine. And I think maybe one of the most beloved dudes in all of the sport of drag racing. The one and only Luis DeLeon. We got some big news we're going to talk about with Luis. What's going on, buddy? Hey, man. Everything good? Yeah, man. Really good. And I want to, uh, we're going to kind of marry this whole conversation up. We got a lot to cover here, and I appreciate you uh, taking some time to, to chat with us this afternoon. The big news of the last 10 days or so has been that Fuel Tech has stepped up and secured title rights sponsorship to the NHRA Pro Mod Drag Racing Series. I've been saying for 100 years that I truly believe NHRA Pro Mod is like, it is the final frontier for door slammer drag racing. God bless all this other stuff, no doubt about it. But when you talk about the best of the best in fast door slammer racing, more often than not, they operate within the confines of NHRA Pro Mod. So I do want to just say, hey, thanks and congratulations for stepping up and, and making this deal happen. I know it it means a lot to us, Mike and I, and the whole yep. team here at Drag Illustrated, but I know Lyle Barnett surely isn't uh, upset about it either. <laughs> no, I'm not, absolutely. <laughs> or how excited are you Luis? man i it's hard to describe honestly you know because like uh, uh we were we were the first uh ecu from brazil allowed to run at an hra pro mod right that was back in 2015 if i'm not mistaken like i still i still have you know like on a poster that le- that letter from an hra that says that we are a approved product in NHRA. So like, just like you said, NHRA, it is the cream of the cream. You know, that doesn't take anything away from other sanctioned bodies. That doesn't take sure. away from other types of racing and stuff inside drag racing. But for sure, NHRA Pro Mod for a door driver, door racer, door crew chief, you name it. For a door 
car drag racing guy, you always look up to NHRA ProMod, right? It's quarter mile, bad to the bone, hard as hell, no traction control, a lot of stuff. You need to be good on what you're doing. Even having a badass electronic behind you, there's only so much. Even our software, it's limited. There's a specific software for NHRA that removes features because it's not allowed, you know? Uh, and that's actually really cool. I like it. I enjoy that. And uh, I, I really feel really proud of, of this whole endeavor that my team and uh, customers, dealers, every, everyone that could help somehow allowing us to do this and on a way that we are trying to do to be able to help people. You know, we're trying to help the class, right? So as, as everyone knows, the class is evolving. And on this process of evolving class, we try to step up as much as we could. Like, okay, yeah, you guys need whatever. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's make an HRA Pro mod even, more, even better. I agree, man. And it's uh, it takes willing participants, right? I mean, it takes uh, someone to wrap their arms around this thing and say, hey, I have a vision for this and this is what we want to have happen. And someone has to be driving that bus. And I'm glad to see your group, uh, the whole team at Fuel Tech, you guys have, uh, I've talked to you about this before, just the the attention to detail, the follow through, the activation, like it's it's one thing to announce a sponsorship, but it's a whole other thing to put all the other pieces in place and promote it on social media and get your customers involved and get everybody on board with it. And I think that it, I don't know that they could have found a better partner to give this class of drag racing, which I think is I want to talk to you guys about this. This is a fun one. I think ProMod is like the universal language of drag racing. Like it's a class that they race all around the world. Every it's, uh, it's probably, I think, the strongest international class, right? I mean, they race these cars effectively in Australia, the Middle East, um, <clears throat> all over creation, right? It's all throughout Canada um, and Europe. Uh, of course, here in the United States, there's a ProMod series like on every street corner. This is a super important class. I'm curious your take... Luis, how much does the success, and this is actually, uh, Lyle, I want to get you in on this as well from your perspective at Modern Racing. How important is this class to all the other Pro Mod sanctions and series, right? There's a ton of trickle down. There's the cars that we see Jose Gonzalez bring out in NHRA Pro Mod, the latest and greatest. That car will likely end up in PDRA Pro Boost in a couple of years, right? Mm -hmm. He'll get a new car and it'll get sold. And so I think that it's, the, the health and wellness of NHRA ProMod directly affects all these other sanctions and series. Do you agree with that? 100%. 100%. I, I, I agree. If, if you talk about Doors Lammer, yeah. NHRA ProMod, it is the lead, right? It is, the, it, it is like where you see the major development because it's such a limited class. People need to go around like, what kind of converter? Oh, let's go a little bit back. How can we move from something that may be quicker than the clutch on this environment and everyone move around to the converter? So what can we do converter-wise to be better? So like there's a lot of development transmission and converters-wise. Engine, same way. Like we saw the Pro Charger come in and have, uh, we have a, a pretty close contact with ProLine and we see that daily. They working on the engine combination to make the Pro Charger combination, the supercharger combination more effective. And that was led by NHRA class, right? If it wasn't an NHRA pro mod level, they more likely wouldn't have and do uh, that kind of effort. But they done it, and now they use that effort at Midwest Pro Mod, at PRA uh, uh, Pro Boost, at uh, Radio 
it's not pro mod, but like sometimes yeah. it's a pro mod car with small tires, right? So uh, you you see that effort being put at NHRA pro mod and trickle down to other pro mods or other door classes, not necessarily pro mod itself. I agree. Lyle, what's your stance on that? You know, just you've seen this sport from every different angle. Um, do you agree that the success of the NHRA series? I mean, this is really important. I mean, I hope people recognize that Fuel Tech stepping up to do this um, and, and give kind of some, what's the word, confidence to everybody involved with this deal. I mean, it's going to help on a lot of levels. Yeah. I mean, I would compare it to what would, what would triple A, single A, and double A, you know, baseball be without the major leagues yeah um you know would it would they would it still go on sure but from maybe even a fan perspective and and especially us as drivers there's nothing else to strive for you know like you're there's you're there's a there's a, almost a ceiling right you know even though making it to the pros you know you've made it to to make it to the nhra and to to race it at the u.s nationals or to to run the first race of the year at the gator nationals or to participate participate in your first four wide you know those are that's the that is the climax that's you've made it you know and and i i think that would would pro mod drag racing continue sure you know but it definitely doesn't give it that prestigious feel without the health of the of the nhra pro mod class being there you know and and luis i'd we've talked through um through the whatsapp and i've seen you a couple times this year but especially us here at Modern, you know, Justin was an inst instrumental part um, of helping to secure some of this funding to, to make sure the class was, was alive and healthy for the rest of the year. But we do appreciate you. I do. We appreciate you here at Modern and, and the class as a whole definitely appreciates you guys and Fuel Tech um, stepping up to, to give us a title sponsor. You know, it was, it was kind of scary for a little bit, right? We didn't have a title sponsor and the, the general talk around the NHRA pro mod class from other sanctioning bodies and from me and from was not good. You know, it was like, well, we just don't know what's going to happen. Are people going to stop showing up? Is there going to be any money to race for, you know, and not only have, have you guys stepped up, there've been, you know, uh, Doug winners, um, company has stepped up, uh, Adam and, and the folks at PRS are presenting sponsors for this weekend's, uh, circle K four wide nationals, you know, and, and it's a big deal, you know, right now NHRA pro mod is the richest pro mod sanctioning body in existence. Um, you know, and that's cool, dude, we've got, there's big plans for the rest of the year that I don't even know if I'm supposed to know about, but, um, <laughs> th there's big things that are happening, you know, and, and it's going to be exciting when, uh, when the middle to later portion of the year rolls around. Yeah, it is great overall. Like, uh, I I don't even you know I don't even try to name how many people were involved to make this whole deal works mm -hmm. because like yeah. just like you said, you guys at Modern, you know, uh, PRS, and I know so many racers that step up personally to try to make this happen because yeah. in the end, we see a class that leads. You know, it leads. It's it's a leadership on drag racing. People look up to you, just like you said. Uh, I personally consider as a highlight on my driving career to be able to drive an HRA Pro Mod once, mm -hmm. right? Be able to qualify at the race. Like you, you, you almost you almost celebrate qualifying as you win in a different race. I think that it's stuff's important, Luis. Like I, I think it's important to remind people of that because, and I'm glad you said it because you know Lyle's won a couple of these things, but just being there 
is a big deal. I mean, I got goosebumps. I mean, because just being in that group, there have been times that I've like walked through the staging lanes prior to first round of eliminations and went around and reminded people like, hey, you're here amongst a slew of 570, 250 mile an hour door cars. Like you're in the hunt. And that it don't don't lose sight of that because that alone is massively significant. And I think that that's what the NHRA Pro Mod series needs to represent is this. If you qualified for one of those races, you, you did it. You did something really significant that a very small number of people uh, have done. And it's I'm just glad to see it get some of its luster back. I think mm -hmm. the fuel tech brand is so strong right now and so visible that it's like we're just the same way that I was talking about gaining a little bit of legitimacy for drag racing as a whole by having Tony Stewart, a NASCAR Hall of Famer, as serving as a team owner. It's a huge badge of honor for the sport of drag racing, but I think this Pro Mod series is going to benefit dramatically from having a brand like Fuel Tech sure. kind of at the top of the decal, if that makes any sense. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just you guys have a, a penchant for doing things right. And like Lyle said, I think people need to know that there's been all this hubbub for years and years and years that, you know, the NHRA Pro Mod series, this, that, and the other, where's the money? I mean, you guys have put this whole program together and it's all going back to racers. And that's a huge, huge, huge deal. It's, uh, it's important, man, that racers are the ones benefiting from this. Yep. Or at least I think so, man. Well, real quick, before I let you go, Luis, uh, right. I want to ask you this. This is like the hottest topic and I already know what Lyle's going to say so I, I may not even ask him but how much do you think we've heard nonstop talk about the the fix for car count with NHRA Pro Mod is to convert to eighth mile um JT take I, me off the screen yeah I'm not a huge plan uh I'm not a huge fan of that uh however I do think it's difficult to argue with and I'm just curious your take having you know seen the sport of drag racing from a lot of different places the radial event this past weekend down at steel and you've seen the success of eighth mile drag racing in Midwest and PDRA I mean what what's your stance on that honestly I'm gonna do like a quick thinking on this because like it, it's such a deep subject that it's not simple I use the answer yes or no right I, I honestly I don't think it is but my first feel is Going to eight mile, it's not a complete fix. It, it may be a part of the fix, it may be, but I don't think like you just literally okay, like less less race half track, like some people say. It's and short term. Now, yeah, now we're gonna have three times more car count. I don't think that's gonna happen, honestly. Uh, I, I have the impression that the racer, every single racer that shows up at the track, he has to have the feeling that he can win the race. And I think if somehow some racer goes out there and he goes through like two rounds of qualifying and he goes to the final one, pretty much like I, I don't have any chance. Like it's pretty much I'm going to just like waste my time here trying to qualify because I won't be able to. Or I'm going to qualify number 16, like a full attempt behind number one. So like the only way to win this race, if the guy screws up on the on the reaction time on, on E1 or something, if he has that feeling, he's going to stop showing up. But if he has the feeling that I, I can qualify between first or 16 and I can win this thing, I think that's where people are like, I want to race there. You know, I want to race there. Uh, that's that's my take on this. The eight mile for sure will, will bring costs down, right? We all know. After the eight mile, there's not much you can do. So it's pretty much like 
pray that that thing doesn't <laughs> blow up, right? And pray that it's still going straight. And then pray that your shoots work. So like it's a bunch of praying after the eight mile. But the thing is like, if you ever drove something really quick to the eight and something really quick to the quarter mile, he ain't nothing close. So that adrenaline going through, you know, like that whole concept of going 250 miles an hour and stuff. I think most of the drivers like that. You may have a couple that don't, and I understand because it is sketchy. I'm going to tell you, it is sketchy. But, you know, you take a lot of the idea of drag racing away when you shorten up how far you're going down the track. So my understanding on this would be, yes, eight mile may help. But no, it's not the fix, right? I would, I would try to make sure that whatever rule package, you know, combos available, whatever, everyone has a clear understanding and performance that you can show up and win. And if that happens, I think we'll go back to what it was a couple, three years ago, where we'll have like 33, 34 cars and people calling in a trade. Anyone gave up? Can I go? Can I yeah. go? I think that will go back to that because, man, I remember like when I start going to an HRA, that was, that was 2015, 16. Like it was crazy. Like you would see someone that did not qualify by thousands of a second. And he was like number 26 or something. Yeah. You know? Like it's crazy. It, it was crazy. And now it's actually backwards. We Unfortunately, the last races or so, you see maybe one or two that doesn't qualify. You know, like it's mm -hmm. and and it's somewhat sad when that happens, right? So yeah, it'll be cool to see back again 32, 33, 34, oh, you know, fighting pro mods, two fifty plus quarter mile deal. I sure think so, man. It's I I think you make a really interesting point, Luis, and Lyle can probably uh, give us some insight on this as a as a hired gun driver. Th that sketchiness past the eighth mile. I I've said to people before that drag pro level drag racing. It shouldn't be something that everybody should do, can no. do. You know, you like the whole idea, no. I can't go play basketball against LeBron James, right? I mean, he's way bigger than me, way more experienced, way to, you know what I mean? Like, I shouldn't be able, like, that's something that not everybody can do. And I think that we need to lean into that a little bit more as a sport. Like, Lau's a, I don't want to do it. Lau wants to. You want to, right? I mean, I think that that's kind of the magic because this isn't for everybody. Hey, man. If you don't want to run 250, 260, there's plenty of places for you to go race, right? Yeah. But this that's what makes this deal stand out, this deal being the Fuel Tech NHRA Pro Mod Drag Racing Series. So it's uh, I, I think that's a valid point. Do you think that that is part of the allure for you, Lyle, that this is something that not everybody is ready to sign up for? Absolutely. I mean, there's I, that I know of, there's nowhere else to go race quarter-mile Pro Mods. I could be wrong. But I don't know of any sanctioning bodies that are quarter mile pro mile. I don't care. Unlimited extreme style pro extreme. No, nothing is quarter mile except for NHRA pro mod, you know, and that's goes right back to what I was saying. I'm not saying that triple a baseball plays on a shorter field, but it's not the major leagues, you it's know, not. and, and coming from an outlaw, an outlaw eighth mile racer and then stepping in to the NHRA pro mod, you know, my driving the car to the eighth mile, you know, none of that scared me. But knowing that I was going another 660 feet was a bit of was intimidating at first, you know. And the first time I went and, and ran 
the black pro charge car that I drove for the majority of the year last year was at Bradenton, Florida. And on like the fifth hit, Justin Elks tells me on the radio, take her to the other end. And I'm like, dude, I don't really know if I'm ready for that, <laughs> you know, and I hammered her on down through there. Um, you know, and then I think we went high five sixties that weekend, you know, and I had never been, I had never been over 200 when I got in that thing, you know, wow. and period, you know, and so we did that in like the third run, you know, and then I went 252 and 253 that day, you know, and the biggest challenge as a driver and Luis can attest to this is knowing where you are on the racetrack and, ex and, and understanding how fast the finish line is coming at you. You know, they're like the first couple of times I ran the car in a five sixty run, I ran it five ninety to six flat before I was out of the throttle, you know, and that's, and I thought shoot was out early and I thought I was coming out, but the, you're covering so much ground so fast that it, it takes a while to understand and be able to process where you are on the racetrack, not only left to right, you know, but coming at the finish line as well, you know, and like in the turbo car, it took me a minute to, for that thing on a really good rip, it's got the front end up for a long time and you're not driving with the racetrack. You're driving with like tree lines, light poles and grandstands, right. <laughs> you know, and you just have to know, you know, by feel, and where the car's at to whether you're headed straight or not, you know, and it, it just takes a minute. And that, that part of driving quarter mile is what people I think don't maybe don't take for granted, but that they don't realize, you know, is that at 250 miles an hour and 1320 feet, you know, we go 200 ish to the eighth, you know, and we, and it doesn't sound like a lot, but you pick up another 50 mile an hour in less than two seconds. Right. You know, so, because any any NHRA Pro Mod that makes a good rip is going 190-something down the back is what we call it, which is from the eighth to the quarter. Um, and that's fast. Like, you know, you sit there and count and think about picking up that kind of speed. Like, it's understanding where you are on the racetrack is the biggest challenge and the, and the biggest hurdle to overcome when it comes to driving one of these cars, period. Luis, back in October of 2020, I was down in Dallas, or like where I live now, um, at the Motorplex, and you hopped behind the wheel of Jeff Jones' ProMod uh, Corvette and put that thing in the show, right? I think you qualified 12th, went like 578 at almost 250. Um, as someone who's becoming uh, a, a a respected driver out here, but admittedly still relatively new to that role. You've been tuning on these cars and working on them for a long time. Can you give us a little bit of your insight on that? Uh, like the first time that you, cause you, but at that point you'd made several runs in Brian Shaw's Camaro, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So like, uh, um, by that moment, I believe I have been like 360 something to date okay. on a RVW stream, oh, oh, you know, hot rod, yeah, yeah nit nitrous car, Five-speed Liberty deal, you know, lockup, like pretty violent, you know, loud and a lot of bottoms inside to do purging and this and that, you know, like a complicated vehicle, I'm going to tell you, badass to drive. Like I'm in love with the car until today. Like that's, that's my, my favorite, you know, my, my son calls the monster car because of the Joker on the, <laughs> the side. The Joker on the side. Yeah. It's beautiful. Uh, I've been 357 on that car. I've been 892 to the 60 feet on that car. And one thing I can tell you. When you go 250 to the quarter mile, ain't nothing close to that. <laughs> it's, it, it, is, it is something. Like, honestly, I don't know because I didn't make so many laps. Like, I actually, I, I drove quite 
quite a bit of cars for someone that doesn't drive all the time. I sometimes I test with Jose Gonzalez, you know, sometimes I test with other uh, guys like uh, I'm, I'm really blessed by so many people trusting me, their hot rods to drive the car and stuff like that. And uh, man, when you go past the eight, just just like Lyle said, and you go from the eight to the quarter, so about the same length on half of the time, you move it. Like there's nothing like it. The car changes the behavior. It's almost it's almost like a boat when you're going like slow, right's right, left's left, and when you're going fast, go backwards. Left now is right, and right now is left, and stuff yeah. like that. It seems that a vehicle when they start getting like a lot of speed like that, the tire grows so much, aerodynamics make so much influence on the vehicle. It's a different beast, and you can feel it. You don't feel the acceleration. You start feeling speed. And this is not something that you feel on a, on a regular basis. You never feel speed. You know, like you fly on an airplane, you don't feel speed. I can guarantee you, when you go 250 plus on a dark car, you're feeling 250. You feel it. Like <laughs> there's something going on right there. You know, when you pull the chutes, ain't no joke. Mm-mm. That hands device is helping you. Mm-hmm. You know, you ain't crashing and that hands device is helping you. Yeah. So when you talk about like going 250 big parachutes, you know, like you're using the brakes, you're using the shutoff area. It's not like, for example, you go on a radio car and you're racing Valdosta. You pretty much don't need to use Parachute. much. You know, yeah. it's such a long. When you're doing quarter mile, it doesn't matter what track you're going. You're using your, <laughs> you're using your shoots. You know, yeah. the braking, it's a huge part of racing when you're going quarter mile. And it is part of the deal. It is part of the excitement. It is part of the capabilities of the driver, of the vehicle, you know, of the track. It is part of the game. And, and just like you guys mentioned before, some people won't be able to do that. Some people will. Some people will like. Some people won't. And so far, I think that's amazing. And we need to keep as much as we can, obviously, to have a class like an intro from Mont going quarter mile. I want to ask you, Luis, before we let you go, and I appreciate you being so uh, uh, so generous with your time, both of you guys. I can I can kind of count on my boy Lyle to to spend a whole bunch of time with us. <laughs> um, but I really appreciate it. And before I ask you this last question, I do want to thank. You know, all of our sponsors specifically, I'd like to remind everybody that the West Buck Show is brought to you by our friends at Redline Synthetic Oils. Redline has a reputation with racers and hardcore enthusiasts for creating products that perform and protect better than any other on the market. And they've been doing it since 1979. Whether it's your race car, your tow rig, your motorcycle or your lawnmower, when you think about lubricants, you need to think about Redline. For more information, log on to redlineoil.com or call up my buddy Mark Beatty. I'm going to give you his cell phone right now. No, I'm just joking. Um, But huge shout out to our friends at Redline for supporting the show and supporting Drag Illustrated Magazine and the sport of drag racing, man. They actually um, just announced last week that they've partnered with Don Schumacher Racing. They're doing big things out here. But I want to ask you, Luis, and we can touch on this a little bit as well, Lyle, because you're driving all these different cars. Do you, what's your take on, I know how passionate you guys at Fuel Tech are about bringing new technology to the sport of drag racing. And I've talked to you about this a lot, how over the years I used to, you know, you use some of the software that exists in drag racing and it's like clunky and it feels like you're using DOS. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I need to have like a, a three and a half inch floppy, you know, in my shirt pocket to use some of this stuff. And one of my favorite things has been all the modern sophistication that you guys have brought to your software and, and to drag racing, right? Um, you, you use the fuel tech software and you feel like you're using modern software, 
You know what I mean? It doesn't feel uh, like a step back in time like so many of these other racing electronics have felt. And I'm just curious, do you think that, is there a point where it goes too far? You mentioned earlier that you guys actually have to create a specific firmware for NHRA that removes some of the features that are available on a FuelTech ECU. I mean, you said that you like that, but I'm just curious, like, do you agree that there's a point where the technology can almost be too good and it detracts from the racing that we see on the track, like traction control, wheelie control, all these different uh, automatic, you know, RPM activated shifters, uh, brake pressure. I mean, I think about a lot of these uh, EFI softwares or whatever, you mat the brake, hit the line lock, and it sets it at a predetermined number. Uh, what's your take on that? I think it's a, a per class basis, honestly. Because, yeah. like, let's be honest, there there are classes or vehicles or people that they, they don't have the time to be as a professional racer as someone that does that as a full-time job, right? So, um, each class it's for each kind of person, honestly. So if you're like a weekend warrior and you go sometimes to the racetrack and sometimes you spend six months out of the car just working and doing something else, I truly believe the more the electronics and the better the electronics, the better, you know, you can enjoy your, your toy or, you know, your, your hobby. It is, doesn't matter. But at the same time, the more professional you are, you you need to shave some of that right so um uh, any trade is a good example at some point they mandate manual shifting right and honestly i like it i i drove a car manually shifted and i like it but at the same time i understand there there are people that are not all the time there and they still can support and want to race a pro mod and i also agree that if that's the case take it off you know allow auto shift because it's for the best of that specific class. But that's the same way go, like for some classes that you don't even have a, a two-step and yeah. you believe, you know, on your foot. And I agree, that class, that's what it takes. It's more professional driver. But if you go and put a weekend warrior driver style on a car that you need to, you know, leave on your foot, no two-step, no nothing, bringing the clutch up, that guy is not going to be competitive and he's going to leave, you know, and that's, that's where I think that should be like a per class basis. And for sure, the electronics will help more some classes and won't help as much other classes. And then you're going to have those, you know, tuner fights and crew chiefs fights where the crew chief and the tuner can make a difference if that class allows them to do it. But like, honestly speaking, even when the electronics go really far, you still need to have someone that's able to tell the computer what to do. The, the computer doesn't come up with a magic number. Oh, this drive shaft speed at this one second, a quarter second, that's ideal, buddy. Like, <laughs> like that doesn't happen. You know, like, oh, you see this new tire? Go over there and try it. No electronic is going to tell you that. Oh, they just released a new fuel. Go try it. The electronic won't do that. So it's still with the electronics being really advanced and being able to go, like, further than they ever did or being more reliable than they ever did, there's still the human, you know, behind that trying to do something. That's a great point, you know, because I actually got put in my place one time by Phil Schuler um, because I, I was bemoaning that torque converters had made it easy, easier to go pro mod drag racing than clutches like and I think about all these guys that ran clutches for years and years and years. And, you know, you, you would see a racer 
you know, covered up to his elbows in clutch dust. And that was kind of like the sign of a real badass out here. And I was always like, oh, man, the automatics are, are taking away from that. And he goes, hey, man, not anybody can run fast with one of these things. Like, this isn't easy. It's a different way. And you, somebody's still got to be really sharp to make the converter program work and be effective over the course of time and, and gain an advantage or whatever. So he kind of opened my eyes to that and I appreciated it because it's like, it's the new way and you make a valid point. Like the computer is not going to tune itself. There still has to be human input that's going to ultimately make, make the difference. I'm curious uh, about your, if you had to, and I don't mean to ask for any secret sauce, Luis, but I'm just curious, uh, is there anything that you is there anything left out there that you guys that you want to accomplish like that you want to bring that you've seen maybe in other motorsports that you want to bring to drag racing cars like via fuel tech? Well, like uh, just like you said, it's a secret sauce, right? So yeah, uh, and as most of you guys know, uh, fuel tech's a Brazilian company, right? So uh, we have arms and legs all around the globe, right? And uh, we see a lot of stuff and that's really good. Like we were blessed with so many good customers like Lyle, you know, people that are great drivers, great crew chief, great tuners. And they always, they always share stuff like great, great people understand that like keeping 100% to yourself usually doesn't help. At some point you're going to need to share and go back and forth and be able to like, you know, like brainstorm something. And when that happens, you can actually transform some of that idea into a better product that helps everyone. Like the whole racing becomes better, right? So I can tell you there is more than one really good cool. thing, more than one different stuff and more than one improvements, what, whatever is already good based on different sanction bodies, based on different, you know, environments or stuff like that. Just not long ago, working with great companies like TurboSmart, trying to do like electronic waste gates to have better turbo control, you know? So like there's a lot of other stuff in the pipes that we're going to see this year and next year. What do you make of nitrous racing right now? Uh, and this, um, I said my last question was the last question, but I lied to you. Um, uh, one, day, one day, don't worry, don't worry. No, it's a, so, because this is something that I think Lyle will agree with, that the magic of ProMod is all these different combinations. Like the worst thing that could happen would be a sea of Pro Charger cars or a, you know, a, a sea of turbo cars or a sea of roots blower cars. The magic is having this mix. I've often worried that like has... We've seen nitrous cars kind of prove us wrong. I mean, back in the mid-2000s, everybody thought that they were going the way of the Dodo. They couldn't compete uh -huh. with the, with the you know, roots blowers. And so they were kind of fake. People were worried, I believe, that they were going to get phased out ultimately. Um, guys like Shannon Jenkins and Mike Castellana drove the bus on that and Jim Halsey and, and, and keeping nitrous combinations alive. But we're at the point right now in NHRA ProMod that there's like Ricky Smith and that's about it. And, and whomever may be driving his second car, Tyler Miller, uh, we don't have the participation of nitrous cars that we used to. As someone who races a nitrous car, Brian Shaw's RBW car, is there anything, I mean, do you think there's still more to go for nitrous racing? Do you think that that combination can get itself back in the mix of maybe even an advantageous combination? I mean, or what's your take on it right now? It's pretty complicated, though. You yeah. know, like... A, um... Well, I would not like to be a rule maker. I'm gonna tell you that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like uh, to, to try to keep parity, it may be the worst and the hardest work on on racing, 
you know, not just drag racing, but like racing overall. Um, so like, I'm um, just like something about combinations and weights and stuff like that about nitrous, um, not just nitrous, but I think every single combination. And I'm going to tell you based on the, the dyno standpoint, like, uh, as you guys know, we run like a, a, a hub dyno operation here in Georgia and, uh, modern does as well on, on North Carolina. And, uh, those, those dinos are really good tools to try to understand how the car works and what can you do and how can you do and power delivery and stuff since we can leave in first gear, go through the gear and stuff like that. But I believe there's a misconception about power to weight difference. Some people get too much stuck on how much the car can make, right? Standing still or on a dyno run or something like that. And they forget that those vehicles are really sensitive to other stuff, right? So how heavy is the nose? How heavy is the back? How much downforce the zoomies can make for you? Like if we talk about alcohol alone and, and gasoline, the same amount of power has four times less downforce on the same zoomy set when you run on gas. So uh, all those details and you go to a turbo car, they are kind of weird. They don't do pretty much nothing early like on, on trans brake, but they do a lot down the track. So you, you have all those behaviors that some people don't take in consideration. And down the track, some vehicles gain power, like a supercharger, roots blower, screw blower combination. They gain power as they go quicker through the air, right? A nitrous combination does not. So there's a lot of challenges between each combination that would make offset small weights here and there and advantage rear there. But I think nitrous, the worst problem on nitrous, it's how finicky it is and how sensitive it is from running rate, melting to the ground. <laughs> That window is like a hair. And sometimes people don't take that in consideration when trying to do a rule. Because if, if that car is so sensitive, and I'm going to tell you this, that thing is so sensitive that most, most, not all, but most erasers, they used to be nitrogen. They gave up and went yes. to a supercharger, turbocharger combination later. So that already proves the point how hard it is maintenance-wise and keeping alive-wise. And I personally think that should be taken consideration when, you, when you're trying to run together those combos. Because I'm going to tell from my standing point, right? When, when we went 350s, we actually went 350s twice on the same weekend. We went 360, 361. The motor was running like a champ, right? Like a champ. You could not believe how good the motor was running. You take the thing apart and you you like, oh, my God, it was so good that we take apart because he was about to give up. Some stuff that you don't see on the spark plug. You don't see on the pen vac. Some stuff you just don't see because it's so hot. It's so hot. You see EGTs across going like skyrocket. It doesn't even measure how hot it gets sometimes. It goes past what the sensor can measure on the pipes. And people don't realize that. So, like, it's, it's really hard to get, like, a, a, a nitrous combination and run that badass maximum level for so long. And if you talk about quarter mile, poof, it gets even worse, right? So it's almost like, it's almost, and I, don't don't take me for granted, okay? Cause like, I only have like a superficial view of this, but I, I have the, the, the simplify understanding, let me say, that the nitrous combination should be able to go slightly quicker than the other ones. Because on my understanding, they cannot keep up. They cannot keep that edge run after run. 
they will slow down at some point. But like, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean that that doesn't exist right now on some sanction bodies. That doesn't mean that they already have. you been talking to Ricky? Right. So that's what I'm saying. So like, I'm just trying to make sure, but like some sanction bodies, they already have that. They already have the chance of holding the record. They may not be doing because they're not, you know, good enough or they're holding back. I'm not going into that discussion, but like overall, overall, they would not be able to keep up. But if they keep up, then that vanished too much. Right. So that's that's pretty much what it looks like. But like, again, it's a lot of work, man. It's a lot of work. You know, those those camp chefs where you have the valve with total lift, you know, one and a quarter, one and a half inches and stuff like valve springs don't last. Push rods don't last. Nothing lasts. Like and uh, today's nitrous motors, they rev close to a pro charger motor and they have like way more stroke. You know, everything is heavier. So like, man. That, that thing's tough. Like, it's not for the faint of the heart, I'm going to tell you that, to try to, to run a nitrous combination. And, and that's why we see, honestly, like, people moving away because uh, it's, it's just hard. It's, it's tough. But well, it you made a good point earlier. Like, the people that don't race enough, right, to gain the experience of a Ricky yeah. Smith or whatever, oh. you know, if you don't race as much as he does or whatever. But there's also the argument that I've seen made before that, uh, you know, Lyle and you and I have talked about this. You see some of these guys that run the rods out of their stuff. I mean, Stevie Jackson's notorious for, you know, tearing stuff up. And I mean, and, and that's no knock on tune up. That's no knock on the parts and pieces that he uses that he's just, like you said, it's a fine line. He's just pushing that far. You know, Ricky Smith doesn't want to race like that. Yeah. And, and again, don't, don't get me wrong. By any means, I'm telling that the A rule package is correct or incorrect. Right. Because just like you said, people are trying there. There's and, and if you go back to Nature Promote, there's nobody there that's not trying. Everyone is trying. Like I can guarantee you there that if you see people running strong, they work. They work on the car. It's not staying together for 20 laps. That That's no chance. It <laughs> does not matter what combination you have yeah. because you're pushing as far as you can for a whole quarter mile. So that ain't easy. Right. So when when we talk about nitrous and other combinations, it's not even about an HRA promo. It's just like an overall take. I am not going to tell you, like, on my understanding, there are classes nitrous are advantage right now. There are some classes they are not. So you pretty much need to pick your poison. Right. Like you're racing on this class. What do you want to do? You want to go with something that you think that is an advantage or something that you have more experience with. Right. And then you go with that thing. One thing I must tell the sound of a supercharger motor revving nine, ten grand. Holy crap, that thing is cool, right? So, and, and turbos go the same way because, like, when you hear a motor going nine, ten grand out the back, it's a different experience. Not trying to take anything away from nitrous motors, the nitrous have that balls, you know, like that <laughs> torque on the leaf that's amazing, but they don't rev, you know, they go to a point and you, you pretty much feel the G's, they're not even that loud. If you stop on a nitrous motor next to a screw blown car, you don't hear yourself. You just hear the screw blower next to you, you know? So that's part of the deal that sometimes I already spoke with some drivers. They're like, man, I drove this car. This car has a roots blower or this car has a pro charge or something like that. Man, I want to drive it again, you know, because the experience, you know, the, the vibration and the loudness. And unfortunately, the nitrous don't have that. 
right? So uh, that's another one. So it's not even performance. It's just like how impressive it is standpoint for the driver. I remember talking to Steve Matusik and he had historically raced uh, turbo cars. And he told me like the first time I cracked a th throttle on that roots blown Hemi in a pro mod car and rolled through the water, he was, that was, I was hooked. Like we were putting blowers on everything, you know, everything was going to have a blower on it moving forward. Uh, closing notes here, two things, Luis, do we, will we ever see a day where twin turbo cars are back in the mix, uh, like really at the forefront, uh, high level competition combination in NHRA pro mod? I hope so. I do too. I hope so. I think it's really healthy, you know, like, uh, if you ask me, I would love to see the top 10 mixed out, you know, supercharger, you know, uh, a, a pro charger, roots blower. Now yeah. it's crew, screws, yeah. you know, twin turbo nitros. You have like four or five different combinations, you know, exchanging blows and jabs here and there to be the top 10. I would love to see that, you know, like that, Same here. that would be better. Do you think they're going to have to give some boost back to the turbo cars to make that happen? Or, I mean, obviously Lyle is making it. You know, he's he's driving the bus on the turbo cars right now. He's he's doing good. He's a great driver. So like, man, like that's that's a that's a good combination. Tough to tell if they need to give a boost back, but like it, it's a tough situation. And again, it's it's a rule deal, you know, like it's yeah. a combination deal. Like that's what it makes like even the challenge about what I'm going to pursue, you know, like, oh, I see this. Like we, we can use this on our side. That's pretty much what everyone does. Right. So uh, the turbo is harder to tame early. You know, it's mm -hmm. really harder to tame early. Everyone that says different is playing wrong. I'm going to tell you that. And lots of people try to prove, oh, no, no, I'm going to tell you how easy it is. They they never did it. Nobody did it. So the turbo is hard as hell to run early. They will need to run harder out the back. It's the only way. So uh, it's just like a, it's a fine line between if you allow them to run too hard out the back, right? Right. So it's it's just like what what is the plan? You know, how how close can you run i i don't think that's far off right now right? no i don't think um, it is either obviously i mean yeah, i guess not, with what not we've seen out of uh, old lyle right here um i'm hoping that they've brought some shine back to the the twin turbo combination and maybe we can see some of those cars i mean like you said most people have left the nitrous combination and went to a blower combination or left the blower deal and went to a turbo hopefully we can see some of that come back man luis thank you so much for your time thank you again for uh what you guys are doing please send my best to anderson matt the whole gang down there um it's awesome to see fuel tech step up and and secure title rights to the nhra pro mod series we're looking forward to seeing you at the races brother okay see you guys there thanks luis, you, luis. talk soon bye-bye Lyle, do you think that we're ever going to see any more turbo cars, or do you think that you're going to fly that flag solo for a hot minute? I think I'm going to fly it solo for a hot minute, honestly. Um, <laughs> Lone wolf. I don't. I don't. I just. And the reason I say that is, I would. I would think that by now I would have heard of somebody putting one back together or converting back. I know there are a couple that would like to convert back, but have invested so much in switching, you know, to their latest combination that it's just you know, too, too tough to go back the other way. And then they also feel that we're at, at too much of a disadvantage to justify it, you know. And I think that that giving us some boost back would fix that. But on the flip side, the NHRA is going to have to be okay with us going 260. You know, like, I mean, that's just <laughs> yeah. it. Right? Yeah, it is. You know, I mean, like, if they're capping that. They're taking away one of your advantages. Right. Uh, as you know, a and turbo. So and like Louis said, I mean, we went testing last week at Darlington and ran really well early. You know, and I mean, as good as we've ever ran, but when you put the splits together and you do the math, we're still just not there, you know, and it's, 
And it's not because we're not running it hard, you know, but it's we're just missing what it takes to run to make a turbo car run as well as these other combos are running. So there's, you know, there's two ways to look at it. do you slow the entire class down or do you give us, you know, some boost back and allow us to pick up the three to six hundreds that we're missing? You know, I, I'm I don't know. <laughs> That's I don't want to be a rule maker either. You know, no, it it's easier. a brutal it sounds easier brutal to speed existence. me up. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, it does sound it's tough. I can make a big argument for slowing all the shit down. Right. I mean, I I can make a big argument for pro mods too fast, fuels too fast, funny cars too fast. Um, ah. But but no, I, I, I get it. I mean, I, I understand. And I think for the immediate future, speeding up the turbo cars would probably be the play. Maybe yeah. bring some more of those back out. All right, guys. Well, hey, uh, I want to thank everybody for being a part of this. Uh, we got a bunch. Of, we Don't we still have quite a bit of stuff to cover? We haven't talked bit. about NHRA stuff. We haven't talked about um, the final. I mean, we got to talk a little bit about that pro stock final from Houston. We got some videos that we're going to plow through. Let's touch Let's on this one in. real quick. Uh, JT, throw up that video from uh, Steel, Alabama this past weekend. Um, I'd love okay. to. I'd love to see this and get Lyle's take on it. You're going to have to get rid of the... There you go. I already did. I'm way ahead of you, bitch, buddy. I know. (laughs) 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 Holy moly. JT, pull the audio off and keep play that a couple more times while we discuss it would you um yep. lyle i mean what's your i mean first first and foremost i'd like to offer our you know sincere condolences to the yeoman group um an absolutely fantastic human being we hate to see this type of thing happen but uh, when it does we got to talk about it what a what a scene man what what's your take on that situation down there i mean just a bad deal right get that bounce and then mm-hmm. there's no going back i mean in my and opinion if somebody if somebody asked me what is drag radio racing that's what i'm going to show them you know it's just yeah. outlaw ridiculously over horsepowered cars if you want to go there no wheelie bars aerodynamic disasters yeah know, i was like, about to say that's a, it you know like and you it's know, a boat thank, when it gets in there thank like god that. tommy was you know i mean he he walked away but he's well, you know was airlifted to birmingham with you know um severe damage to his back um i haven't heard an an update in the past couple days but i talked to donald yesterday donald long and he told me that he was like you know it had had surgery um and was you know likely going to be okay um thank god um but what a scary moment and you just you think about that happening and you're right man i mean that is a perfect picture of how volatile and violent that particular style of drag racing is those cars are so heavy um no wheelie bars i saw an argument online that wheelie bars wouldn't have even helped and they wouldn't help in most of these situations like that the car would have still done in large part what it what it did i agree don't you, you think so i don't know i don't know i think man would have think they'll just go on got that bounce you know yeah it, i mean or turnover no. on the side maybe it doesn't go flying through the air over the guardrail but that's probably you know in all likelihood a crash I think that with, it's, with a, it's a good that. opportunity to start talking about um, the relief flaps that like uh, 
that that cup yeah. cars run when they turn around backwards and the flaps mm-hmm. kick up on the roof, you know, yep. to kind of slow them down when they're traveling backwards. And I think that, you know, I think maybe I think Pete and them may have done it with Brad Edwards' car. Uh, Jeff Miller's Bumblebee cars have done it accidentally a couple of times, I think, you know, and that thing turned into a transformer and it yeah. Yeah. lifted the nose off and took the nose. Cover and it, drag illustrated. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, there's, it's time to, I think that we start, I don't know if you want to mandate it, but it's time to start talking about it, you know, because like, this is just the beginning of, of more and more of this happening, you know, and you think about what happens if he's in the other lane and goes the other way, you know, there's, motorhomes and fans at the fence, you know, like the, it, it, there's all kinds of bad that happens if that car's in the other lane and goes the other way. You know, thankfully it went the way it went, was on that side of the track. But I think there are things that can be done if we're not going to put wheelie bars on these things and we're not going to do anything aerodynamically to try to help that, then some kind of relief when those things get up and start catching air to get rid of the air. Because that's like – that's the cause of all that. You know, those things right. are closing in on 200. It picks up and it's like an umbrella, you know, and the wind catches it. It lifts it off the ground like an airplane. And there's, it's time to start talking about ways to get rid of that air. If those things. So what's the, the option position. is probably like some relief breakaway in the front end, of, breakaway front ends, some kind of way that the, the hood can hinge, you know, or, or, you know, cause if they're going the right way and the flaps are being shoved down by the air that's traveling over the hood, then they don't, yeah, that, they're not going to cause any drag or anything, any aerodynamic disadvantage, right? But if those things get up in there and there's some way that the entire hood gives way and releases all that air out from under the hood, you you fix some of that. I think and, laps in NASCAR specifically were designed, the problem they were having were the cars turning around backwards right, in a, in right, spin yeah. and then yep. taking off because of right. the air reverse aerodynamics air, of the car correct, when it's when right. it's running backwards you don't yeah. have that problem of drag racing really this thing is is it's it's how do you keep it down once it gets that that wheel right. up so the flaps would yeah. be a different design i don't know what yeah. that design looks like yeah i, I don't either you know and, and, and again another one of those yeah. things where it's above my pay grade but yeah me too um there's something you know that that can be done to start preventing stuff like this you know but again but some of it's just radio racing like you said it's yeah. inherent oh, in it that is. type of racing yeah. and and how they run those cars and what it takes to be competitive in that class. So it's yeah. uh, it's just what it is. Going over the track, to me, is the problem. Anytime we see these cars go over, outside the over confines the yeah. of the walls is when stuff gets really hairy. And we've seen even, you know, pro mod cars. Uh, um, John Hall, a couple years ago at Galat, you know, uh, didn't go airborne, but had a gnarly wreck and ended up... You know, over you the know, wall, somersaulting the wall, yep. and ending up, you know, nearly in somebody's pits, and so it can happen to any. We saw uh, Jasmine Salinas do it at Gainesville, uh, same thing. So this this happens in a variety of racing, but um, going outside, I feel like you're safe when you're inside the confines mm-hmm. of those walls, by and large, with the way these cars are made now and with safety equipment. When they when when you're over the wall, land in the woods, off. yeah it's a problem, you know, and it's part of me wonders going back to the conversation we were just having is, and this is something that I asked Donald about yesterday. I was just, is there a point where this we're going fast? I mean, these cars are fast. And and I think that we have as a sport just been super desensitized to really how fast they are. Like, I mean, yeah, that's a 3000 pound, essentially freaking steel roof and quarters, Vin tag having car that's going way down in the threes at 
200 mile an hour in the eighth mile. Wow. Right. I mean, and you know what your dad just popped in here. Willie bars would help a lot on a radial car because it would unload the tires way before getting that and that's, but I think that's the argument that guys don't want yeah. why they don't want to run them because yeah. then you're basically killing your run in the name of safety. But well, you're, but you're on that also, edge. You're on that also, edge where if you've got bars and you've got them set, you know. At a well, but you know, he also you know, promoted all week. He promoted all week that you know, you know, knocking no prep racing, you know, and how they're piling up these cars and how unsafe it is. But he hasn't mandated Willie bars and or done less track prep. On yep. any of these tracks, but with a know. with a wheelie bar though, when a radial car makes a run like a radial car should make a run, it should never get to the wheelie bars. You know those right. things when you let yeah. go of the button, they stand up, which would just lift the wheelie bars farther off the grid. Like they should, it should just be there. If, if you're going to mandate them, they're just there for that very reason. What we just saw, you know, a radial car on a good run, not like a pro mod that gets back there and is dependent on the wheelie bar right. to make the run. It should never touch them. You know, when he's saying unload the run. tire that's like it's a safety mechanism not a yeah not right. a you know your runs over but this is it's right it, obviously it's going to hinder your performance but the the point is safety and I, yeah, yeah I'd, i agree with it from that point but it's yeah. uh it's definitely definitely something scary to see when these cars go over the wall like mm -hmm. there's just nothing to me worse than seeing a car go over the wall but i, I tend again, to agree wes we can we can backtrack to what you were talking about earlier when not just anybody you know, it, uh, not just anybody can come in and start driving, you know, but that that class right there, anybody, anybody can come in, go to ProLine, go to Pete Harrell, buy Hemi, buy a set of turbos, buy a Pro Charger, get a good chassis. And all of a sudden they got a 4,000 horsepower. Correct. And yeah. anybody can do it. Anybody listening to this show right now, never driven a drag car before in your life, can go buy a turnkey car from anybody you can think of, Come to South Georgia, come to the shakedown at Virginia, and nobody's going to bat an eye that you're putting it in the water box next to them and have never even been down the racetrack, and you can do it. We've, you know, seen, we've seen it happen. That's scary. You know, like, that's scary. Um, I know of people that don't want to pull into the water box besides somebody else because they're just known to crash, you know, and like, well, that's because just anybody can end it. So it's like the, start, it's a blessing and a curse, right? I mean, it it's like one of the best parts about drag racing is that anybody can do it. But one of the but worst things, level, yeah, you know, like, right. I agree. And that's, and like, so do you start requiring some kind of license? You know, I mean, it like just, it can snowball into all these, you know, do, do you require this? Do you require that? What do we, how do we keep just any Joe Blow from, you know, jumping out of a 7.0 index car into radio versus the world or, or whatever, you know, right. like, Damn, man, it it's can be scary, you know, and I don't, again, one of those things where I don't know what the fix is, but we all have our opinions, so fire I away. I think it's interesting. Okay, I've got a couple other things, and I don't know if we're going to have this other video. A couple of things I just want to plow through. Let's start here. Um, first and foremost, did you watch any of the NHRA race this past weekend? Have you seen any clips from it? Did you happen to see the final round in Funny Car between? I did. Okay, yeah, I did. so... Did you see Matt Hagen versus Bobby Bode, Bode yeah. Jr.? This was, I threw this up on my Facebook over the weekend and I, it became this whole thing that I was just, I, like Tony Stewart, love to see a driver demonstrate some passion, right? Bobby Bode is in the final round against Matt Hagen. He's like 12 years old. He's a second generation racer. 20. First ever it was his 20th yeah, birthday. 
20th birthday, right? Yep. Which is just bananas, right? This kid's yeah. 20 years old. He's driving the car. He's working with Tim Wilkerson to make the tuning calls on the car. He's in his first ever career final round at this hugely celebrated race. The last time the NHRA is going to Houston, Texas, and the car, you know, engine explodes, blows the body off of it. He gets it to a stop, gets out, throws his gloves off, throws his, he didn't throw his Hans, but kind of tossed his Hans down and, and, and chucked the helmet, bounced it off the ground or whatever. Um, what, what, what's your opinion on that? Me personally, I'm here for it. Like I'm here, listen, and I had, I had multiple debates about this over the weekend. Um, it was kind of hilarious to me, but I, I stand by it that I'm not saying that that's, he can't do that every time. You'll, you'll look like an asshole. If every time you get out of the car and something doesn't go your way, you throw the helmet down, that won't work. But once to demonstrate, right, the, the, the intensity and the severity of that moment. I mean, you just had a car explode in your face. Uh, you're in your, you know, your first ever final round. You had maybe a shot to win this deal. It goes awry. I think it's okay to show some emotion. Do you? I do. That kid is me. Um, I've fired many a gloves and earplugs and stuff across the pro mod that I drive right now at the top end of a racetrack. You know, my dad and I have had heated discussions at the top end because I felt like he screwed me on the tune up. And we lost a final, you know, like <laughs> that's me. I've thrown helmets. I've thrown Hans devices. Like I do, I've done that and I still do it. You know, like there's nobody on this planet that drives a race car that wants to win more than I do. Nobody. They may want to win just as bad, but there's nobody that hates losing and nobody that wants to win as bad as I do. And I freaking hate to lose. Um, I lost on a whole shot. Well, on a, guess the old lighter two weeks ago in savannah georgia and i threw shit in my trailer for like 30 minutes like everything <laughs> i picked up got fired into the trailer you know like i'm 31 years old and, and a and great I'm, young man right we're talking it doesn't about make you driving your money man this thing's a shit box like who cares it was for like three thousand dollars or something i was firing <laughs> wrenches uh an wrenches Leftover spark plugs, ratchet Duck straps. dodge. I mean, you name it, I just <laughs> fired it. Wrench, trailer, you dodge you know, like, yeah, people right. that came to help me were kind of like, all right, man, we're going to get out of here. And I'm like, yeah, you probably should. <laughs> Wow, You know, something else. Dude, I that's, yeah, that's me. Trailer, my, dad, you know? my dad was never a <laughs> fan. That, after we would get back from a losing run, like everything that's getting put away in the trailer is getting put away aggressively. <laughs> like, I'm I think the hell out of this electrical cord and I yeah. am, you know, throwing everything. Away I think I have this like, clip. Don't throw my shit. Let me play it. Do you have the actual fire? Top end. Okay, here we go. And Steve Johnson will be, let's see, what's the best way to, oh, he'll be Steve Johnson. I mean, that's, no, this is just uh, Tony. I think. Oh yeah. This is, yeah. So this is Tony well, Stewart. Back, to back Joe. What do you think? Yeah, going pretty good for this man. TSR just put together this team. Tony, I love this clip. Big victory there for Matt and Dickie. And this one's a little bit different. The Gator Nationals, that one was for you and the team, the first one. This one for Dick Venables. Just talk a little bit about Dickie. And you were able to kind of get close and see that whole family operation last night. And how meaningful is it to be able to close this circle at Houston for Dick Venables? Well, Dickie made it look easy today. I mean, he had, you know, four solid runs. and uh, But 
it, it, it's been a stressful weekend for him and his family, obviously. Uh, for those that don't know, Dickie Venables' father passed away you know, late last year. I think back in December, together, they're Houston natives. So this was an event that was near and dear, the heart of the Tony Stewart Racing family. For those that don't know, Dickie Venables is the crew chief on Matt Hagen's Nitro Funny Car, the Dodge Power Brokers Funny Car. So winning this past event, special moment. Glad to finish it off strong like that, but... Bobby Bodie, I'm going to buy him a brand new helmet. He threw his helmet. They'll take the sticker out of that that certification sticker out, so he's going to have to get a new helmet. Oh, I am personally you, you might catch helmet. Antron in the background. I want yeah. guys yeah. like him that are that passionate about wanting to win races. That's the kind of guys I want in my race cars, so I'm going to buy that kid a new helmet. Do you know anybody who's thrown anything before? I've never thrown anything. Never thrown a fit, a tantrum, <laughs> or anything in my life. So uh, I can appreciate a kid like him that, that has some uh, passion. So. You know, that kid's done an awesome job. That whole team's done a great job all weekend. And, uh, you know, we watch that kid every session go down through there and make solid laps. And uh, that that passion, that's the kind of guy I like. Uh, I like hanging out with people like that. So uh, I like that kid. Well, congratulations on the win. I just think, picked up his I, I mean, and I'm so glad you got that clip queued up, was, JT, because. till that point. Yeah, we don't have to wear the gloves on our heads, so uh, it's the ones that are that are hard. When we throw those, those are cost a little more. So, uh, I, I like to see that passion in somebody. I mean, everybody thinks it's uh, it's definitely not easy to win at this level. There's so many quality teams and people, and uh, it, it's truly the people that make the difference in this sport. So, uh, to have a day where you get to the finals like this, um, you know, that was a big deal. So he should he could have been shaken up pretty easy with having. You're under a body one minute, and a second later, that body is gone, and you're having to get get, get it slowed down and stopped. So to have that kind of composure is pretty impressive, and uh, have that have that kind of passion when you get out. So he, that kid's going to win some races. No doubt. Tony, congratulations. Great victory. Thanks for spending a little time. Go celebrate. Dude, We're good. I, I can't really He's agree been... with that dude anymore. Like, I honestly yeah. felt like... He, Tony Stewart's my spirit animal. Like he's got a better, I'm blown away by being such a fresh face in the sport of drag racing. His, and I guess it just is about motorsports. He gets it. Right. That's Translates. a guy that gets it. And I do worry a lot of times that there are not everybody does right. Cause it's so, it's so easy to get on Facebook and be like, Oh, he should get out of the car and nicely set down his helmet and nicely set down his gloves. He's a professional. He's a role model. No, man, he's a human being okay. in drag racing. The way we grow our sport, the way we sell ourselves to fans, the way we connect with people is by demonstrating emotion, demonstrating passion, being humans. And I feel like we got to see an awesome human moment that will be like a highlight clip for Bobby Bodie forever. I, I will love to see that level of passion. And it's tough because I get I totally understand the argument of like, Mike, you said your dad didn't like you getting all mad and feisty and rammy jammy, right? Um, and Lyle, you said your dad, Mark has given you, you know, some hard time about having those big reactions or whatever, but that's, they, we're not saying you got to act like that all the time, but in those moments, I personally think it's okay. Yeah, I, I agree. Look, look, look at this, look at this comment right here from Mark. Wes has started to comment on your post because Bobby was get, getting the talking to by his dad that I gave Lyle all the time. I wanted to kill him sometimes. It's easy to think that they are being bad sports, but you just can't understand the amount of passion they have and what they are feeling. We need we need that passion. All right. And that's so true. Drop the mic. Show's over. Yeah, boom. Good job, Mark. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> thanks, Mark. I mean, but it's true. You're, and you're I know. Grounded, Lyle. 
Yeah. yeah. And, and you know what? Here's the other thing. That's got my ass beat. You know how many times, <laughs> you know how many people, and, and this is going to start off a whole firestorm of, of controversy or whatever. And I don't mean to, but like I've seen guys make, I think it's one thing to get, uh, I don't know, not get a foul called on you in the NBA and lose your mind and act like an ass or whatever. Like, you know what? That's probably a little tacky, a little classless or whatever. It's probably being a bad sport, but when you've got a 12,000 horsepower engine explode in your lap, I don't think we can compare those two. I don't think that's the time to have a conversation about being a good sport. Matt Hagen. Yeah, when you're out in it's front of Matt Hagen. Man. It's adrenaline. You make decisions and you do things that you wouldn't do if you're just you know rolling out of bed. But he's hyped up in that moment and racing in the final round. And then you you know have a near-death experience or whatever with this explosion, you know, you're going to see something behavior that I'm sure the, I'm sure he doesn't do that all the time. And it's okay. We need to see that. They were in the lead. Yeah. They were winning. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what I was saying. I mean, you're yeah. out front on Matt Hagen. You're about to win your first I mean, man, you know, professional yeah. funny car race. Wow, and the body right? blows off of that thing and you get just squeaked by like, fuck. <laughs> no. I mean, and honestly, I think about like, there was another instance earlier during eliminations where Alexis DeJoria in the Bandero Tequila Nitro funny car, another Toy- or a Toyota Supra, you know, got completely broadside and pancaked the wall. And, you know, she, it was still an awkward moment. I wrote about this on dragillustrated.com that I got to give a, a tip of the cap to like all these NHRA pro drivers, the NHRA and Fox team, specifically Amanda Busick, who's willing to kind of wade into, you know, shark infested yeah. waters and stick a microphone in the face of someone who just had a high speed crash or just had a big you know, an ordeal on the racetrack. And I give her a ton of credit because we have to do that stuff. I mean, if we're going to be a professional sport, facing the music is part of it. I mean, how many iconic sports moments have we had from press conferences, post-game interviews? That that stuff has to happen. Um, but comparing and contrasting the two, like if you look at Alexa's reaction, she was, I felt like I learned a little bit about Alexis as well during that situation. She was, she was devastated for her yeah. team. She yeah. was mad at herself. She was, I, I she feel smacked, like I learned about pretty her. hard. Oh dude, that was a lick. That thing's tore up yeah. from what she, she started. Said. She started the conversation. Well, I don't, I don't really want to talk right now. Yeah. But then she, and then she went on and kind of like, you know, gave her set her piece, which I thought was good. Cause when I heard her say that, I thought, Oh no, Uh-oh. well, no, you know, it's just, what's this going to go? Uh, but to hear her kind of, you know, show her passion and then show how much she cared, I think means a lot. Because I think a, people, a lot of people question that about Alexis is how much does she care? What is her true intentions? What, how, how passionate is she about this? We've seen that over the years. We know that she is. And I think it's good to, for her to, to sort of reiterate that. I agree. And I just don't think that's how we learn about these people in those moments. And I'm just, I'm proud of the NHRA pro racer base for being willing to, to fight that battle and endure some really uncomfortable moments. Cause it's, it's going to pay dividends in my opinion for the sport of drag racing, moving on down through some of the other happenings from the NHRA, um, this past weekend, I think we would be absolute in absolutely insane not to talk about an all female pro stock final round Living legend Erica Enders, four-time Pro Stock World Champion, going up against fresh-faced rookie driver Camry Caruso. I mean, I just want to kind of go around the room on that deal because what a moment. I mean, am I crazy? And I'm not trying to make all of this about them being females, but let's be honest. That's a big deal, right? Yeah. 
Complete yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know who's, who's going to jump in first. I'll, Mike, you go ahead, first. I'll go ahead and jump in. But we've gone, it's, it is interesting to see. We've gone from really in my, you know, in my time involved in the sport, Eric has really been the only pro stock, the fe- only female yeah. pro stock driver. And, uh, Phil Burgess and the team at National Dragster actually did a great piece a few weeks ago um, highlighting some of the other women that have raced pro stock over over the course of the class. But no one's had anywhere close to the success that Eric has had. Like, it's not even I mean, Eric has had more success than all but just a couple of the of the male pro stock drivers. So to even try to pigeonhole her into the female, I think does her and her recent success a bit of a disservice. But it's crazy that just in the la- in the what are we the fifth race of the season? Yeah, that now in the fifth race, Camry is now the second most successful female pro stock driver of all time. So that's that's how big that gap has been mm-hmm. for that long, and we're seeing something. Um, not you know, Erica is a veteran at this point in her career. I, I would definitely not say that we're seeing like a changing of the guard or anything like that because she's still very young in, in drag racing terms and probably has a long career still to go, but it is interesting to see this new component. Eric has never really had any other female competition up to this point. It's just been her and she's been blazing that trail. And now you've got Camry who is exceeding expectations right out of the gate. And I think that that dynamic between the two um, friendly or not, or, you know, if it's if it's really one moment, not the next or whatever, I feel like that's good. We need to Agreed. see that. We just yeah. we just spent 20 minutes mm-hmm. talking about how we need to see true passion and emotion. And the more they keep the gloves off of that deal, I think the better it'll be for mm-hmm. the sport as a whole. I, I'm super surprised. Not or I guess you wouldn't say surprised, but the uh, how fast the Crusoe camp has gotten, you know, to be this competitive already, you know, with you know, just coming in kind of, kind of out of nowhere. Right. And then just really laying it down for a lot of people. And then also um, we were talking about emotions and you could tell that Erica was super emotional after that win, you know, that's her home track. Uh, It's where she won her first Wally. I think she'd been racing there since she was what, eight years old. And there was, how many people did they say were like, that's their home track that won? Was it seven or something? I think there were like seven people ridiculous. from yeah, Houston, ridiculous. like that's local wild. racers that ended up winning that's, the final like, NHRA Spring National. That's like unheard of, you yeah. know, to, to well, be able to do you that know, at your home track and the last race. That's crazy. I sure think so. I mean, and Lyle, I want to get your perspective on a couple of things here because one of them is, and I, I thought that same thing. It's like, are we really this lucky? Like, uh, we're five races into the season and we're all at the final NHRA Spring Nationals, Erica Enders' hometown track, right? I mean, and and those Enders girls are as proud of being from Houston as anything that yes, they're they proud are. of. They are serious right. about Houston. They, they like the <laughs> they Afros, are. I think. And <laughs> so to see her in the final round of the final NHRA Spring Nationals against an up-and-coming uh, female driver. I mean, I just thought like, man, this is like the, the movie of the summer. Like this is a blockbuster movie on Sunday afternoon. And you think about, you know, Camry had to work her way through. I mean, I think she ran Fernando Quadra in E1, Bo Butner in E2, and then Greg Anderson in the semifinals. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think I'd have just shut the car off and started yeah, crying. Beat him on a whole shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, beat, yeah, him, on beat him on a whole shot, right? On the other side of the ladder. Too, I think. Yeah, she did after... Yep. 
I mean, think about this. Two things I want to ask you specifically, Lyle, because you've been you've experienced some of these moments where you've got your hero in the other lane, right? Or someone that you've looked up to in the other lane. But I don't think we can really I mean, I've said many times that I believe Erica Anders is the best to ever do it. I I think that she may be the greatest drag racing driver ever. I mean, I, I, I think that she's in that conversation. I really do. Not because she's a girl. I just think that she has delivered. She's been the difference many, many, many times. She but is. I but I also want to give a tremendous amount of credit to Camry Caruso because that I cannot imagine being in the final. I mean, you're not even mentally prepared, I don't believe, to be in a final round, five races. Like that, that's not quite on the radar. Most people that dive into pro stock racing, you have incremental goals, right? Like, hey, let's make a good run. All right, we've made a couple good runs. Now let's qualify. Okay, now let's qualify on the top half of the field. Okay, now new goal, let's win a round. Okay, let's win two rounds. And this deal has escalated so quickly. It's yeah, number bananas. one qualifier. Number wow. one qualifier? I mean, I know people who have spent trust funds trying to qualify in pro stock, let alone qualify number one, five races in, right? It's massively impressive. But I, I think you table all the performance and you think about that final round situation of a 20-something female in her first ever career final round alongside her hero, right? Someone that she has looked up to, spent time around, idolized for her entire racing career. She rolls into the water, Dead, the transmission's dead, deadheads, won't go into won't high gear, a, right? do a burnout. won't do a burnout, tries twice. Anybody who knows anything about pro stock cars is pulling their hair out or puking. I mean, my stomach, I was like, <laughs> you know, when I think, saw that thing not come out of the water, I'm like, okay, clutch is twice. smoked. You know, the, bet there, I don't know what good can come of this. I don't know that that thing will make a run, right? And, and the fact that she kept her shit together, I mean, again, I think I'd have just started crying and got out of the car, shut it off. Right. I mean, she literally I can't say enough about being able to then leave on Erica and make a respective run. It didn't go into high gear. It went 660 flat and never putting it into fifth. Right. right? So it's like what an incredible performance. And I think Camry can hang her hat on that experience forever, no matter how much more success she has or no matter what happens next. I mean, if this was it, if they parked the shit tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I think she should be extremely proud of that specific moment because she made the difference. Um, The car failed her, right? I mean, I mean, that's no shot at anybody. That stuff happens, right? Um, But there was a mechanical issue, and she still delivered. And I just think that 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 moment. I'm sure she was devastated. She wanted to win or whatever. But those are the moments that create the Erica Enders and a lot of pressure. You got to give Erica a lot of props here too because. A lot of pressures on Erica as well. Oh, dude, everybody she knows. She's supposed to, yeah, everybody she knows is there. It's her home track. Uh, she's the superstar, right? She's she's supposed to win this. You know, Camry really doesn't have anything to lose at that point. I mean, she, you do, you know, but but Erica, she's racing with house yeah, money, right? right? Yeah. I mean, that All was right, my opinion. Right. And, and, in that, our and house. that's really hard to do, you know, when, uh, when, when you're supposed to when, when when you're supposed to win that battle, you know, that's that's tough to do. It is, man. I, we went around the room in my house and we're like, who has more pressure, Camry or Erica? Right. And it's like Erica. Right. I mean, she has she's expected to win. She's like the goat. She's expected to win this race in front of her hometown crowd. I saw an NHRA uh, media clip 
where <laughs> one of the people from like a San Antonio newspaper asked Erica, how many people do you think were here this weekend that you knew personally? And she's like, all of them. <laughs> you, you know, like there's 30,000 people there or whatever. And she like went to high school with most of them or whatever, right? Like right. you can't imagine the pressure of that. I mean, I know every, you can talk to any stick and ball sports player or whatever. Like the worst thing is a hometown game, right? Oh, yeah. Cause you're going to field 10,000 calls for tickets and hookups and special treatment. And Hey, can I go down on the starting line? Can I ride in the car? You know, you've got to deal with all of that. And, and entertain them all weekend. You know, Lyle's, got that, weekend. Lyle's got that coming up this weekend. That yeah. I do. <laughs> that I do. Yeah. He's got, you're just running through everything Lyle's been dealing with. All well, reasons. before I continue to rant on this, Lyle, I do like, think about lining up against Jason Scruggs. Think about lining up against Stevie. Can you tell us about that a little bit, right? These are guys that you've looked up to. Yeah. Um, you know, at, for me, at least in my mind, I just don't want to look like an idiot, you know, like go up there and act like you've done this before. Give them a run. If you don't win, you weren't supposed to. If you do, you've just David and Goliath, that dude, right? You know, and like the – I can't remember how many races I was in. I ran nine, so that would have been, I don't know, the seventh, sixth or seventh race or whatever when I rolled in the in the water in the final at Dallas last year, you know, and Justin Bond has been doing this for a while, had, was the points leader for some of the year. You know, this is my first race in this car. Um, I think my – I don't know, it was less than 15 runs I'd had in it, you know, and I could have thrown up that morning, much less, you know, when they shut the door, you know, like, all right, man, time to go do a burnout, you know. And that's all I could think about was like, please don't botch this burnout, you know, act like you've driven the car, stage it right, you know, and let go on time. And and we, you know, kind of got a little bit lucky, but we ended up turning the wind light on, you know, but um and still to this day, you know, I've, I've done it for a year. We won a couple races, um, you know, and, but I still feel the same pressure. You know, I look down at the sheet and try to see who I'm running and qualifying, you know, and, and this weekend we're running four wide. Um, and, uh, so we're going to, the there's, there's a very, there's a very good <laughs> chance that, uh, you know, we're going to be lined up beside three of, you know, drivers that I've been watching for, for years. So there is a lot of pressure when you're on the, when you're on the end of, well, you know, you, they should beat you, you know, but, but if, if, if they don't, or if you beat them, you know, good on you. Um, if you don't, then you were supposed to lose. Anyway. Who scares you the most Lyle out of all the racing that you, you do? Like if you, who do I want to beat the worst? Well, I guess who's you could say that or who, who would, who would know who who's are you most intimidating? Who would you not? Yeah. Who would you not want to line up against out of all the different racing you do? Todd Tuttero. Really, I think so. You're you're muted. You're muted, Wes. Wes. Don't popping. mute me. Dude, <laughs> you that yourself, Todd Tuttero. What a great answer, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> like that dude's a stone cold killer. You know, he like is, man, you have to do everything right. I mean, there's a bunch of drivers like Stevie, excellent. Ricky Smith, still good. Jose, Jose, one of the best. You know, but like. Todd Tuttero, that would he was probably he would be one that I would be like, holy shit, we have got to be on our stuff right here, you know. Like, <laughs> but there, I think the who I want to beat the worst is probably Ricky, just because he's been doing it the longest. You know, if we ever have a rules committee meeting, it's 
he's always at a disadvantage and getting picked on, you know, like <laughs> him, uh, JR. is probably my biggest rival, though. We came into the series at the same time. Um, yep. We're even – he beat me on a whole shot in Gainesville. I beat him on a whole shot in the final in Vegas. He's probably my biggest rival, and I, he's the one I don't want to lose to, which I guess is just the same as wanting to beat him. But, um, you know, him, JR, Ricky – but Todd Tuttero, by far the most intimidating person to pull in the water box beside a pro bot. That's Barn. awesome. What do you make of pro stock right now? Do you ever make, do you like, obviously we just talked a whole bunch of exciting stuff about pro mod and hopefully we've got a whole new world ahead of us. Hopefully there's a whole new path uh, in front of us for NHRA pro mod. But do you ever kind of think, you know what? I, I would like to throw my hat into the ring with the, the Greg Anderson's and, uh, uh, Aaron Stanfield's uh, of the world. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely do. You know, I've. It's the most driver intensive class you can drive, right? You know, like it is so dependent on so many things that the driver does right, um, and you can easily screw a run up um, in many different ways. You know, roll the car in deep and kill the sixty, um, shift it early, shift it late. Uh, you know, I mean, you so, screw it up backing up from the burnout. Yes. I mean, there's so many things you can do that can just completely screw a run up, you know, and it, so it's super dependent on the driver doing their job um, and, and a challenge, you know, it, it, so I do have the desire to drive a pro stock car at some point, you know, and hopefully that day will come, but um, I'm what about a big tire. What about a big tire? No prep car. Absolutely. The more time I spend <laughs> around no prep Kings, the more I want to drive one of those things. I think um, it, there's a lot of people would like to see you in one, you know, that I've, had a couple of opportunities that have popped up and then, you know, just things didn't really pan out. Um, but I would love to throw my hat in there as well. You know, you'd have to, at some point you got to choose a direction, um, you know, because you can't impossible uh, to run simultaneously run these right. things. Cause like just in a couple of weeks, I had hundreds of people over the weekend ask me if I was going to Maple Grove, you know, and I would love to, but we'll be in, in Richmond at at uh, at Virginia Motorsports Park for the our next national event, which is just in two weeks. But um, yeah, I would love to do that as well. Man, we want you to do all of it. <clears throat> we really do. Well, hey guys, real quick, I do want to run through here. Thank our sponsors again, Flow Racing. Uh, for those of you that don't know, please sign up for the Flow Racing program. If you're a drag racer or a drag racing fan, you got to get on board. The world leader in sports live streaming, Flow Racing provides unlimited access to drag racing's biggest events like Donald Long's Lights Out, No Mercy, and Sweet 16. Every stop on the PDRA and NMCA tours, Funny Car Chaos, World Cup Finals, Streetcar Super Nationals in Las Vegas, and much, much more. The platform provided by Flow Racing is without question changing the sport of drag racing for the better, and there's no limit to the good they can do here. So log on to flowracing.com today and join the movement. Also want to give a huge shout out to our friends at Elite HP, Stroud Safety, Tommy Cunningham in the games, Redline Synthetic Oils, Holly Performance Parts. Man, we've got a sand haulers of america we've got an army of people that support this show each and every other uh, each and every week guys is there anything else we got to cover is it time to wrap things up i think we can probably wrap i think up. that's it man dude we could talk about nhra for, for a, a while it's time for yeah, a beer yeah. JT. Yeah. i will say this I Cooter, already right. six ahead of us <laughs> how many have you had t just just three. Oh, that's not bad <laughs> no for you that's like pretty five pretty, yeah yeah going slow that's crazy. Well, hey, guys, thank you all so much. Remember, I want to remind everybody that the real difference on this show is all of your participation. Thank you for being a part of this, for clicking like, clicking share, clicking subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. 
it makes a huge difference. Your involvement, your commitment to this deal. Uh, we liken this to be drag racing's water cooler. And as much fun of it as it is for us to talk with Woody Woodruff and talk to Luis de Leon and talk to Lyle Barnett, it's really all of y'all that make all the difference. So thank you for being a part of this. Thanks for supporting us. And we'll see you next Wednesday, 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, right here on the Drag Illustrated Facebook page and Drag Illustrated YouTube channel. If you have questions, comments, anything that you want us to touch on, shoot us an email, send a DM. You can hit any of us very easily. Wes at DragIllustrated.com, Mike at DragIllustrated.com. JT at dragillustrated.com. Lyle's all over social media. If you want to ask him something, shoot him a question and we'll answer it right here on the show. Thank you guys so much for being a part of it and we'll see you next week. Later, y'all. See y'all. See ya.